Welcome to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight featuring Coast to Coast AM from June 11, 1997. From the high desert and the great American Southwest, I bid you good evening or good morning as the case may be across all these many, many time zones. From the Hawaiian and Tahitian Island chains, all the way east to the Caribbean and the U.S. Virgin Islands. Good morning. South into South America, north to the pole, and worldwide on the good old Internet. Thanks to AudioNet in Dallas, this is Coast to Coast AM. I'm Art Bell. Somebody sent me a little email earlier and said, you know, I listen to you here in uh, Hawaii, so I know how you get here, but how do you get to Tahiti? Well, the answer is simple. From Hawaii, uh, there's something about salt water that conducts very well, and I get a constant stream of letters and postcards and email from Tahiti. So I include them in. A lot of listeners in Tahiti. You're in for a real treat this morning. Jim Mars, author of a very, very, very popular new book called Alien Agenda, is my guest. It's a Harper uh, Collins book, so you will find it everywhere, I suppose. I got a piece of email earlier that, uh, actually a fax, that will um, perhaps explain it. Art from ancient astronauts to NASA knots from the hills to Hopkins, from our very creation to considerations of both religious and metaphysical issues, alien agenda. Don't miss even the most minute aspect, uh, does not miss uh, even the most uh, minute aspect of the UFO alien reality. My word. Interested in crop circles, cattle mutilations, men in black, remote viewing, ancient artifacts, underground bases, abductions, the government, etc., you name it, turn to the chapter, it's all there. In addition to his outstanding, extensive research effort that includes both acknowledgement and description of the hard work of other courageous explorers and writers in the field, Jim Mars is aware of something he refers to as mindset. He never forgets that what makes an objective evaluation of the data from all these areas so difficult is that collection of nerve cells between our ears. As an ordinary citizen who's looked into these enigmatic issues for the past two years, has read countless books, watched and listened to countless tapes, downloaded countless documents, and thought countless thoughts in the process, reading this book was a rewarding experience that would require countless words to describe. This was the best thing since the quickening, and in my opinion, not only complements, but is a real companion piece to your own extraordinary and enlightening work. I say four cheers for Art and Jim. P.S. Between this book the quick and the quickening, I have tagged so many pages that I expect to get a Christmas card from the post-it division of the 3M company. I do like the, quote, these babies are huge, sir, quote, on page 20. The speculation about MJ-12 on page 168, very interesting, last sentences of appendices, of page 394 relate to discussion of last night, as does other material in the book. It's the only composite work of its kind that I've ever seen that mentions Robert Morningsky. So you know this guy has done his work. 
Now, so there you go, and uh, I very much appreciate that. And um, we're going to talk to Jim Mars, author of Alien Agenda, and I suspect this is one night when we are going to get to most aspects of the entire alien question. Uh, here's another one uh, coming in beforehand. Uh, the Alien Agenda, the most fascinating, revealing book that I've ever read. I've got it to you. Matter of fact, I'll hold up this fax. Uh, yes, by the way, we have a webcam going, um, a webcam. So um, uh, if you get an opportunity to go up on the net, uh, by all means, do so. And uh, when you do, just click on the first area that says Arts Webcams or Studio Cam or something like that. And when you do, you will see a compelling photograph. <laughs> One of three, actually, I guess, of me sitting here doing my program. We've got three cameras in sequence monitoring the program. And so for as long as you can stand it, you can sit there, and from time to time I hold little things up that relate to the program. As a matter of fact, I've got a good picture of Jim Mars uh, right here in my hand. I had to hold that up so that you can see what he looks like. Uh, we'll talk to Jim about that. I'm trying to think of exactly who he looks like. Jim Mars looks like somebody that I know from the movies or from some place. I'm not exactly sure. I'm going to ask him about that in a moment. So in a moment, coming up, Jim Mars and his uh, very substantial book, Investigating the Extraterrestrial Presence Among Us, Alien Agenda. <laughs> Coast to Coast AM sure sounds great in the middle of the night. But you know, you don't have to be nocturnal to enjoy this amazing show. The Coast Insider is your key to a normal life. For 15 cents a day, you can wake up refreshed knowing that last night's show is waiting for you with podcasting. Listen on your way to work and again on the way home. Or listen to one of over a thousand archived shows from the past three years. As a member, you'll have access to our monthly live chat sessions with George Nouri and special guests. The Coast Insiders Club is a must-have feature for all Coast to Coast AM listeners. Visit coasttocoastam.com to sign up today. You'll sleep like a baby, knowing you'll never miss your favorite guests and topics ever again. Remember, a one-year subscription comes out to only 15 cents a day. Sign up today at coasttocoastam.com. Looking for the truth? You'll find it on Coast to Coast AM. Nobody wants to. It's obvious. But I don't know who to believe anymore. Because, you know, if something happens, you would think, oh, my gosh, this is real terrorism. But then on the other hand, you say, this is just their way of saying we need to implement more of these controls. Not everything is a conspiracy. The problem is you have to look at everything as if it's a conspiracy. Because nowadays, you just don't know. The new version of the Coast to Coast AM app is here, now available for Android as well as iPhone. For Coast Insiders, it offers the ability to download the most recent shows so you can listen to them at your leisure. The new app also has listen live and streaming features, plus recaps, contacts, and upcoming show info. Coast Insiders with Android System 4.0 and above or iPhone. 
Check out our new app at the Google Play or iTunes stores or link from the Coast website. Get a new view of the world with Coast to Coast AM. First of all, I want to just thank you for bringing everyone out here to Cornucopia of just phenomenal knowledge. I don't know of anyone else that I've ever listened to on radio that just fills my brain and stimulates me. But, you know, I was listening to the show, and I thought to myself, do you think, George, the common citizen such as you or I really has any hope towards the future of any privacy or anything else? I think we do. I think eventually so many people will see the light, see what you see, see what I see, that eventually they're going to say enough is enough. And I think that we do have a future, and we're going to win in the long run. It's going to be bumpy along the way. It's not going to be easy, but we will get there. That's my take, and you know what? As long as I can continue on the airwaves and tell people this, I shall. Coast to Coast AM sure sounds great in the middle of the night. But you know, you don't have to be nocturnal to enjoy this amazing show. The Coast Insider is your key to a normal life. For 15 cents a day, you can wake up refreshed knowing that last night's show is waiting for you with podcasting. As a member, you'll have access to our monthly live chat sessions with George Nouri and special guests. The Coast Insiders Club is a must-have feature for all Coast to Coast AM listeners. Visit coasttocoastam.com to sign up today. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight featuring Coast to Coast AM from June 11, 1997. Now we are going to Texas, all the way down to Texas, and here is um, Jim Mars. Jim, welcome to the program. Well, good evening. It's certainly nice to be with you. Uh, oh, I can hear a Texas accent in there. Are you um, are you an original Texan, Jim? Hey, I'm uh, born and raised in Fort Worth. All right. Um, how in the world did you get started in the whole UFO field, uh, it's like you came out of nowhere. It's not that I don't know you, Jim, but I had never heard of you before, and all of a sudden you've got this gigantic hit book. Well, um, actually, uh, in fact, I wanted to correct something you said earlier that, uh, yeah, I've spent the past two years working on my new book, Alien Agenda, but I've been uh, interested in keeping up with the UFO phenomenon since the 50s. Uh, since I was a kid, uh, the thing that actually uh, prompted me to, well, two things prompted me to write this book. One was um, uh, 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 with the success of my last book, Crossfire, which uh, had to do with the Kennedy assassination and, and subsequent government cover-up. I asked people all over the place, I said, well, what do you think's the next big deep, dark, secret government cover-up? And, you know, it was almost unanimous, Art. They said, UFOs. Oh yeah. So I said, well, you know, I've been dealing with that for years, and but the, but but I didn't feel like I had any right to write about it uh, because uh, I was like everybody else. I, I'd read all this material, and there's something going on, but you know, how do you get a handle on it? How do you figure out what is the alien agenda? You know, okay, they're here. What do they want? You know, exactly. And the thing that prompted me and, and, and that I felt like I was getting some valid insight in was the government uh, studied and utilized remote viewing. 
Uh, I interviewed about a dozen of the government-trained remote viewers, and Art, each and every single one of them had had direct contact, direct knowledge right. of the UFOs. That's correct. And uh, I said, wow. And uh, so, uh, you have, as with anything else, you have to be careful with this. You can't just, you know, leap out on a limb and say, oh, it's this and that. But by synthesizing and, and uh, uh, coordinating some of the information that's coming in from the remote viewers, and now, by the way, there's plenty of uh, civilian remote viewers out there. In fact, for my book, Alien Agenda, as far as I know, I commissioned the very first formal remote viewing study of UFOs. And it was very interesting because seven remote viewers who had had prior testing and had a known track record were um, employed in this study, and none of them knew what the subject was. They simply got a uh, oh, coordinate right. number. I think you're familiar with that. Uh, I certainly am. Uh, and, I, uh, and yet, so that you might know, Jim, I've, I've interviewed... Uh, probably the top remote viewers in the field right oh, now. Oh, yeah, I, I know you have. I, okay. know, I know that you've uh, spoken to Dave Morehouse and, and, and many others. Uh, the, uh, but here's what's interesting. Out of the seven remote viewers, five immediately knew that they were looking at UFOs. But, you know, you know, doesn't that, Jim, then say something about the nature of the aliens, that the remote viewers have encountered these beings again and again and again, even dating back to the military program, right. where the military didn't want them to encounter this kind That's of thing, right. mm -hmm. uh, they, were, they were encountering it, according to Ed Dames and others. They were encountering uh, beings they j just simply could not explain. In fact, some of them got so disturbed they got blown out of the program. Doesn't That's it? right. And some of their superiors said, I don't want to hear about this. You know? Yeah. It was very disturbing to them, too. And again, there now we're bumping up against the mindset situation. And uh, it's not in the book, Art, but I heard a great story just a week or two ago that, to me, defines mindset. It seems that back in the uh, 50s, a plane load of Army officers were flying along, and they encountered a huge glowing orange cylindrical UFO, which circled around their plane, flew alongside for a while, and finally shot straight up and went out of sight. And after they landed, one of these Army officers, who happened to be a psychiatrist, was asked, did you see the UFO? And his reply was, yes, but I turned my head because I don't believe in those things. Now, that's mindset. Um, actually, it's kind of like my wife. Uh, it, I'm serious. Uh, we have seen two, Jim, and uh, she does not want to see those things. She doesn't like to talk about them, and because of the nature of the material that I deal with in, in the last three years, we have four years, we've seen two, and I made her come on the air both times, reluctantly, um, to back me up. <laughs> Well, well, let me ask you, is it because she fears public ridicule, or is it because she just fears the implications of the whole thing? The, the latter. Uh -huh. um, she's, a, uh, she's a Catholic. Uh -huh. um, she is probably unsure of their origin and agenda. And by the way, so am I. <laughs> now, well, so am I. Let's I don't go, claim to have the hard and fast 100% sure answers. Let's go back to the, um, the remote viewers for a second. They deal in a kind of a strange realm, remote right. viewers. And um, so does that say that the aliens 
are in that same realm, or, or what does it say about the aliens? That they're not only sometimes in the same physical realm that we're in? I, th I think you're touching on it there, and I think this is one of the things that helps explain the maddening lack of physical evidence, is that uh, according to just about all accounts, not only the remote viewers, but the abductees and the contactees and all like that, uh, they operate, uh, we're, we're on this one three-dimensional material plane. They seem to operate on other planes and perhaps other times. And uh, that's what, uh, what allows them to kind of slip in and out of our reality. And uh, it's something that I think uh, uh, science, particularly quantum uh, physics, could probably come up with a uh, some sort of substantiation, some sort of theory as to how that all could happen. We're beginning to get into that ourselves in science, uh, but right now it's just a little bit ahead of us, a little bit, uh, a little bit futuristic for us, and that's what's causing a lot of the problems. Uh, you came into all this as a journalist, skeptical, right. hopefully impartial, um, and people will ask me this question all the time, so I'll ask you, it's on your little sheet here, do you now believe in aliens and UFOs? Okay, uh, I started off skeptical, skeptical, and now I would have to classify myself as a skeptical believer, because here I will say this, UFOs... The, the controversy over the reality of UFOs is over and done with, okay? I just forget that. They're real. They're here. They represent uh, materials, objects. This is, and this is, this is nothing new. This was the official position of the United States government prior to 1947. They said, yeah, there's something flying in the air. They're real. So, and the thing that proves this, because for, for a long time, I, too, paid very serious attention to the idea that perhaps sightings and, and the, even, even abductions were the result of some sort of a mass psychosis, some sort of a uh, hallucination, you know, produced by God knows what, you know. But the thing that lays that to rest is the advent of the camcorder. Today, everybody in the dog has a camcorder, and there's not a week goes by that somebody doesn't get some pretty decent tape a of a UFO. So, no, that's a fact. So you can't take pictures of an hallucination or a psychosis, so, you know, forget that. They're real. Now we're to the question of, okay, who are they and where they want? And this, I will freely admit, gets into some pretty speculative areas. But looking over the past history, looking over the, uh, the information that is now available, looking into our past, and looking at the overwhelming evidence that points to advanced technology in man's prehistory and uh, such things as that. Uh, and then, of course, with the remote viewers, I think we can begin to get somewhat of a general picture of the alien agenda. Um, all right. Do you think that uh, ultimate proof of the existence of aliens will come from some sort of physical evidence or some sort of metaphysical evidence? Uh, I think it's going to come from something pretty physical. It may be already underway. Uh, I do not think it's going to come from the government. You're not going to have them voluntarily acknowledging what they know because they, that would be endangering their power and control. But what you're going to have is going to be coming from the UFOs themselves. And they are going to, uh, at some point, have such an event seen by so many people, recorded by so many people, that it will be beyond discussion and beyond controversy. Undeniable, huh? Right. And, uh, you know, we may already see the beginnings of this in the skies over Phoenix. 
Uh, we may. Thousands of people have seen that. All right, Jim, hang tight. We'll be right back to you. My guest is Jim Mars, author of Alien Agenda, one of the most comprehensive books ever written on why they're doing what they're doing. And that's where we're going next. This is Premier Networks. That was Art Bell hosting Coast to Coast AM on this Somewhere in Time. Stuck on music. There's another piece, you know. I'm so stuck on this right now. Good morning, everybody. I'm Mark Bell, and my guest is Jim Mars. He wrote Alien Agenda. In other words, uh, whoever they are, what the hell do they want? We'll get back to them in a moment. Coast to Coast AM app is here, now available for Android as well as iPhone. For Coast Insiders, it offers the ability to download the most recent shows so you can listen to them at your leisure. The new app also has listen live and streaming features, plus recaps, contacts, and upcoming show info. Coast Insiders with Android System 4.0 and above or iPhone. Check out our new app at the Google Play or iTunes stores or link from the Coast website. Looking for the truth? 
You'll find it on Coast to Coast AM. Nobody wants turtles, obviously. But I don't know who to believe anymore. Because, you know, if something happens, you would think, oh my gosh, this is real terrorism. But then on the other hand, you say, this is just their way of saying we need to implement more of these controls. Not everything is a conspiracy. The problem is you have to look at everything as if it's a conspiracy. Because nowadays, you just don't know. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight featuring Coast to Coast AM from June 11, 1997. Back now to Jim Mars and Alien Agenda. Jim, I agree with you. Uh, I've seen two of these damn things. There is no question about it. Um... They're here. They are something. But people will ask me, do you believe in UFOs? Do I believe we are being visited? And I say, no. You know, I'm not... I wouldn't say I believe, because that, that, implies, that implies a leap of faith. Yeah, right. And I, I'm not ready to leap yet, but I'm very interested, and I do believe there is something here. So my, my question is, your book title. Alien Agenda. Right. Do you think you know what the hell they want? Well, <clears throat> here's the problem. We, we're going through a process. Uh, back in the 50s, polls showed that virtually nobody believed there was any life outside the Earth. Right. Then as we got into the 60s, it was more and more people began to think, well, you know, I think it may be there. And then the question became, do they come from Mars or do they come from Venus? Well, now we're a little more progressed now, a little more knowledgeable, and, and uh, now the question is, do they come from the Pleiades or Zeta Reticula 5, you know? And the thing is, I think we're, we're slowly but surely coming to the truth of the matter, which is the answer is yes, all of the above. I think there's an entire universe of life out there. This is what the remote viewers indicate. Yes. And, uh, and I think that to, to try to ascribe one motive or one agenda uh, to all of these various species and all of these different varieties of life would be the same as asking a primitive Fiji Islander, what is the agenda of those people passing over your head on those trans-Pacific 747s? You know, I, I, you can't answer it. You, know, you can't answer okay, it. Okay, I, I wrote a book, you probably know, it's called The uh, Quickening, and um, mm-hmm. I am fairly convinced uh, Jim, that we are really screwing up our planet. Um, no, no question about it. Now, uh, one possible motivation that I've considered with regard to what they're doing, when you look at animal mutilations, that sort of thing, mm-hmm. um, I think they're monitoring us ecologically, that that is a distinct possibility, that they see that we're headed downhill fast, and uh, these reproductive organ uh, removals and blah, 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 these are things that would allow study of the ecological state of Earth. Uh, I think you're absolutely right. In fact, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but I point out in um, my book, Alien Agenda, that an animal geneticist at Texas A&M discovered that uh, humans share many of their uh, uh, cows are almost a perfect match right. uh, with chromosomes for the humans. Uh, that's the closest in animals, animal kingdom. I think it's uh, 23 
uh, chromosomes or something like that. And it's the closest to humans that you can get. Plus, you know how, what they say, you are what you eat. And uh, so many of us are, you know, we, we, we're surviving on Big Macs and uh, like that. So, so obviously there'd be a hue and a cry if there were mutilated humans found all over the place. But when it's mutilated cows, it's just kind of a sub-controversy. Well, Linda Moulton Howe, who's on my Dreamland program every Sunday, uh, has been a very, very serious investigator into this uh, uh, phenomenon, whatever it is, and it is, it is painfully real. Uh, she's got a couple of books out with photographs that are undeniable. People don't like to look at that kind of stuff. But the fact is, uh, it's occurring, and it, it was occurring with precision uh, cutting, uh, years ago, before we had the ability to precision cut in the ways that we do now, but uh, not then. That's true. That's true. In fact, that's one of the areas that I began really working hard as a newspaper reporter here in Texas was back in the 70s with the cattle mutilations. And I, I chased that story every which way. In fact, it was uh, attended the first and only cattle mutilation conference out in New Mexico uh, where the uh, feds pretty much muzzled everybody and said, uh, no, just sit down, be quiet, and everybody kind of did. But I talked to ranchers and uh, uh, law enforcement people uh, and conservationists uh, out in the hallways, and they had some incredible stories, such as the uh, 30-year veteran rancher who said, they, they're telling us these are just the work of predators. He said, but how can a predator pull a cow's heart out through a half-inch hole in its neck? Yeah. Wow. And things like that. So, yeah. They, and, and, and I might point out, as you well know, but I'm not sure your listeners realize, cattle mutilations and the crop circles and the abductions, these things are not just some wild story from the past. These things are going on right now. Today, they are still going on. And this is my big gripe, my big soapbox, is that where is the so-called news media? They are not uh, publicizing what's going on. There are so many crop circles. Uh, last year, I tried to document each crop circle on my website as it came along. This year, there are so many that I'm leaving it to the websites that specialize in crop circles. There are so you many. you can't handle it. I can't handle it. That's yeah. right. Now... What do you make of crop circles? Fractal messages? Um, what? Um, well, in my book, I cite a remote viewing study of crop circles, and it's pretty interesting. Uh, here's some food for thought. Yes, they're messages, but the reason we can't read them is because they're not for us. They are uh, transitory messages left as guideposts for, uh, for uh, UFOs and people traveling through perhaps other dimensions, other times, and when they pop into our particular plane of existence and they can see the guidepost that says turn left or keep going or you're okay or stop here, do not enter, or whatever, then they know what to do and they move on. And then within months, that particular sign is, you know, when the crop dies or is harvested, then it's gone away and there's no danger of a paradox being created. Wow. Isn't that an interesting thought? Uh, yes, it is. Uh, there's one other possibility, and that is that whoever this is is not coming from another place, but another time. Exactly. You think exactly. that? Do you believe that to be possible? 
uh, <laughs> Art, at this point, uh, knowing what I know and having lived my life, I'm willing to think most anything's possible. All right, let us go back to the beginning. Uh, we're coming up in July on the 50th anniversary of Roswell. Right. Um, do you think Roswell is the best documented in incident we've got? Well, it may not be the best documented. Uh, I covered the uh, pretty extensively in my book, Alien Agenda, I covered the Bentwaters case over in England, which was pretty well documented. I mean, here, here's, here's official reports, tape recordings, et cetera, et cetera. But I will say this about Roswell. I think Roswell is the most popular focus uh, right now for the whole thing, and I think with, with uh, very good reason. Uh, I was kind of amazed to, uh, since Alien Agenda is kind of a broad overview of the whole thing, uh, and I was looking at it from that standpoint, uh, I'm not going to tell you anything you probably already are aware of, but have you considered uh, placing Roswell in the context of the times? In other words, prior to July 1947, the official... U.S. government position towards UFOs was pretty open. They said, there's something up there. It's real. It's flying around. Uh, we're not sure what it is. We think it may be secret Soviet weapons, you know. Uh, but if it's not, it, it's possible that it's a craft from another world. And then in July 1947, all of a sudden we have the incident at Roswell. And within two months, in September of 1947, President Truman creates our modern national security state. Yes, sir. They, they create the CIA. They create the National Security Council. And what this does is take uh, all, anything that they consider national security, and obviously UFOs would be that, and it sweeps it around, puts it under the rug, puts it under a curtain of secrecy. And, and by doing this, they bypassed Congress, the public, the media, and the whole government position towards UFOs then changed to one of uh, ridicule and dismissal. All right. Well, then that would imply that Ro something real did occur. Something happened at Roswell. You bet. Moreover, uh, at that moment, the government decided, aha, we've got something. We're going to have to examine it. The lid of secrecy comes down, the cloak of secrecy, and it's really been there ever since. You've got it. That's it. And it had to be, listen, well, let me give you a quick little story that I discovered while researching for my book, Alien Agenda. Back during World War II, the Japanese uh, experimented with what they call fuego balloons, which were uh, balloon clusters carrying incendiary bombs, and they, they sent them aloft and got them in the upper air currents over the Pacific, and they drifted over, and their plan was to hopefully that these things would come down and maybe start big forest fires on the, in the northwest or something. Sure. One of them actually made it all the way into the Midwest. I think it landed in Kansas or Missouri or somewhere. But the point of the story is is that a female reporter at that time found out about this story, thought, what a hell of a story, and it was, and was getting ready to publish something about it when the FBI went to her during and, and, and asked her, said, look, this is wartime. If you publish this story, uh, the Japanese will know where these balloons are landing. They'll have a, an idea of what's happening. You'll be giving aid and comfort to our enemy. You know, please don't write this story. And, of course, as any of us would have done, she didn't print the story. She waited until after the war to, to run her story. Now, that's the way that secrecy should be done in a free and open and democratic society. But at Roswell, we have the specter of government agents, military people, threatening children and teenagers with their lives. Told 
one woman uh, uh, who was a teenage girl at the time that if she ever talked about what she had heard and saw and knew about what happened at Roswell, that they would find her bones bleaching in the desert. Yep. Now, what happened at Roswell that made our government people so fearful that they had to threaten children? Well, let's think about that. There were a lot of people killed over spying with regard to nuclear technology. So, if we received a big load of alien technology that we began to go to work on at Roswell, it would have been as big potentially as that, because of course our military, particularly then, would have considered it um, as po possible weapons development. Absolutely, and you just hit on the key factor that I point out in my book, Alien Agenda, the swiftest most direct answer to people who say why all the secrecy is simply this all the documentation shows clearly that the one group most closely uh, in authority over the UFO issue is the US military and in the military mind uh, the UFOs represent advanced technology and in that same military mind any advanced technology represents potential weaponry so it's got to be secret. It's got to be kept close to the chest, and they've got to have total control over it. But I think that's another factor, Art, is that I don't think they've ever had total control over this issue, and that's what makes them so fearful, and that's why they've had to have such dreadful secrecy over all this. Well, one thing you said earlier that uh, intrigued me is you think that they are going to suddenly make themselves known. In their own time and when, it, and when it pleases them. And frankly, I'm not sure we're ready for it yet. Uh, in fact, I think one of the best answers I heard uh, that I quoted in Alien Agenda is one of the abductees uh, asked her captor, said, you know, why don't you just land and say, here we are and let's be friends? And she was told, you are not ready. If we landed, half the people would bow down and worship us. The other half would try to kill us. And I think that's just about as, as about right. dead on statement as I can think of. Mm -hmm. um, if we face a crisis, Jim, environmental or otherwise, uh, do you think they would step in? Um, no, I really don't. But I know there's a lot of people out there who kind of are secretly and sometimes not so secretly thinking that our space brothers are going to land and, and save our bacon here, yep. you know? Yep. And I, I'm here to tell you, I don't think that's going to happen, okay? I don't and either. I, and I'll tell you why, because these people are, are more advanced than us, not only technology-wise, but also uh, sociologically or even perhaps spiritually. And they understand that, you know, for, for a species to evolve correctly and take the normal uh, path that, that God has, has provided for them, that you can't step in and interfere with them. They have to make their own decisions. It's just like children. You don't do a child any favor by making all his decisions for him. Well, I'll tell you, I'm out here in the middle of the desert. As a matter of fact, uh, Jim, I'm right next to Area 51. <laughs> Are they packing up? <laughs> uh, well, what I'm suggesting here is, uh, in the desert, you know, there are a lot of ecologically protected uh, areas. And right. Desert tortoises uh, are particularly protected. So if you want to develop on a piece of desert or uh, land out here, uh, and you have desert tortoises, you've got big trouble. And I wonder if the aliens don't regard Earth as a fairly hospitable, nice planet, but with seemingly intelligent creatures on it, 
And until we leave, like the desert tortoises, they're not going to develop. That's, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that's a, that's a fair analogy. I think that may be true. And I think that there are some of these species that are interacting with Earth that would kind of like to... Kind of like to have a nice place like this, but I think that they uh, mostly out of self-control and out of uh, uh, out of a uh, sophisticated and mature uh, theology. I think they uh, know better than to try to just come take it from us. And and this may be a good point to to, to point out here, which I'm sure you're aware of, and and hopefully most of your audience. Uh, I can say with some assurity right now that I don't think their agenda involves anything that's overtly hostile. Because, simply because, if they wanted to come and invade the earth a la Independence Day, sure. they would have done that back about World War II when all they had to do was face propeller driven airplanes. And they wouldn't have waited till now till we've got nuclear weapons and space platforms and laser technology. Of course, that, that presumes that they're not so far ahead of us that they could not push a single button and simply eradicate all life and take the planet. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, but the point is, Art, is that, yeah, they, they may be at that point, but if they are, they haven't done it, so, you know, we're okay so far. So far, so good. Uh, you mentioned Phoenix. Now, yeah. in Mexico, uh, the UFO sightings are so common that the Mexican people are kind of go, eh, Another UFO. I know it sounds crazy, but lean Brit elders who I've interviewed have gone down to Mexico again and again and again. Right. Say it again and again and again, and they've got video coming out their ears of these That's things. Right. That's right. And the big difference is, is down in Mexico, the TV networks actually put the video on the air, and they tell everybody this is what's That's going on. Right. They take now, it seriously. Now, what's going on here? And I, and I address this in Alien Agenda because you know the old uh, the old. Uh, uh, stereotype uh, uh, was that the saucer lands and the little guy gets out and what does he say? He says, take me to your leader. Well, who's our leader? Who speaks for Earth? We don't really have anybody who speaks for Earth. And that's another point, too. I don't think anybody, I don't think any extraterrestrial species is going to sit down and try to deal face-to-face with uh, the human race until there's till we have a spokesman, until there's somebody who speaks for us. You know, you've got a very good point there. I'm, I'm sitting here trying to think about that now. Who does speak for Earth? Nobody. But there are people who control the global economy. Okay? Uh, now, these are the people who, who have more than just a little bit of pull within national governments, including our own. Now, these could be the people, I call them the New World Order boys. So maybe they'd land and go into a CFR meeting? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that. But, but do these people want to deal with that? No, because they owe their power and their wealth to their monopolies on energy, Absolutely. transportation, Absolutely. medicine. Absolutely. And they don't want anybody. And they're now you're to the real hub of the secrecy. All right, hold the real hub. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here at the top of the hour. You can relax, and we'll be right back. All right? All right. All right, take care, Jim. We'll be right back to you. Jim Mars is my guest. His book, Alien Agenda. I'm Art Bell. The trip back in time continues with Art Bell hosting Coast to Coast AM. More Somewhere in Time coming up.
Premier Network presents Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight featuring Coast to Coast AM from June 11, 1997. My guest is Jim Mars. His book is Alien Agenda. That's right, Alien Agenda. As a matter of fact, uh, in the introduction to his book, he simply says at the beginning, the controversy over the existence of UFOs is over. UFOs are real. Only those people whose outlook prevents them from dealing honestly with a massive amount of documentation and reports collected over the past five decades still cling to the idea that nothing soars in the skies of Earth but man's imagination. Evidence accumulated over the past half century clearly indicates that UFOs represent real and tangible objects exhibiting traits unlike anything that man can yet produce. I have seen two of these objects clearly and close up. So there is no question. UFOs are real. What they are and what they want from us, if anything, that's another question, one explored in Alien Agenda. Jim Mars will be back in a moment. Coast to Coast AM sure sounds great in the middle of the night. But you know, you don't have to be nocturnal to enjoy this amazing show. The Coast Insider is your key to a normal life. For 15 cents a day, you can wake up refreshed knowing that last night's show is waiting for you with podcasting. Listen on your way to work and again on the way home. Or listen to one of over a thousand archived shows from the past three years. As a member, you'll have access to our monthly live chat sessions with George Nuri and special guests. The Coast Insiders Club is a must-have feature for all Coast to Coast AM listeners. Visit coasttocoastam.com to sign up today. You'll sleep like a baby, knowing you'll never miss your favorite guests and topics ever again. Remember, a one-year subscription comes out to only 15 cents a day. Sign up today at coasttocoastam.com. Get a new view of the world with Coast to Coast AM. First of all, I want to just thank you for bringing everyone out here to Cornucopia of just phenomenal knowledge. I don't know of anyone else that I've ever listened to in radio that just fills my brain and stimulates me. But, you know, I was listening to the show, and I thought to myself, do you think, George, the common citizen such as you or I really has any hope towards the future of any privacy or anything else? I think we do. I think eventually so many people will see the light, see what you see, see what I see, that eventually they're going to say enough is enough. And I think that we do have a future, and we're going to win in the long run. It's going to be bumpy along the way. It's not going to be easy, but we will get there. That's my take, and you know what? As long as I can continue on the airwaves and tell people this, I shall. The new version of the Coast to Coast AM app is here, now available for Android as well as iPhone. For Coast Insiders, it offers the ability to download the most recent shows so you can listen to them at your leisure. The new app also has listen live and streaming features, plus recaps, contacts, and upcoming show info. Coast Insiders with Android System 4.0 and above or iPhone. Check out our new app at the Google Play or iTunes stores or link from the Coast website. Looking for the truth? 
You'll find it on Coast to Coast AM. Nobody wants turtles, obviously. But I don't know who to believe anymore. Because, you know, if something happens, you would think, oh my gosh, this is real terrorism. But then on the other hand, you say, this is just their way of saying we need to implement more of these controls. Not everything is a conspiracy. The problem is you have to look at everything as if it's a conspiracy. Because nowadays, you just don't know. Coast to Coast AM sure sounds great in the middle of the night. But you know, you don't have to be nocturnal to enjoy this amazing show. The Coast Insider is your key to a normal life. For 15 cents a day, you can wake up refreshed knowing that last night's show is waiting for you with podcasting. As a member, you'll have access to our monthly live chat sessions with George Nouri and special guests. The Coast Insiders Club is a must-have feature for all Coast to Coast AM listeners. Visit coasttocoastam.com to sign up today. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight featuring Coast to Coast AM from June 11, 1997. Um, all right, back now to uh, Jim Mars. Jim, your book is available in bookstores generally, is it not? That's true. It's a big book, uh, bigger than mine. I think mine's around 339. Yours is over 400 pages. Yeah, and they're still left out some things. <laughs> Listen, uh, somebody just sent me a fax that said, after reading uh, the greatest UFO chapter, you will never look at the moon in the same way. That's true. That's from Dave. Uh, what does he mean? What he means is is that we tend to think that the moon's there, everybody sees it, you know, it's just there, and nobody pays any attention to it because it's just a dead rock. But au contraire, that's not true. No. There have been sightings of lights, clouds moving, things moving on the moon that go all the way back into the 15 and 1600s and come right on forward. There are some aspects of our moon that are decidedly alien, not to mention the pyramids that appear to be uh, on the moon that are in the same configuration as the pyramids on Earth and the ones in the Sidonia region of Mars. That's right. What do you, what do you, what do you make of that, Jim? I think that this was all part of uh, some sort of... Uh, a system, some sort of a culture, society that was going on long before our ancestors, uh, you know, stood upright and, and started throwing bones in the air. Do you think that it was uh, a previous civilization from Earth? Do you lean in that direction? Or well, do you think it was others? The uh, second chapter of my book, Alien Agenda, deals with the ancient astronaut thing and, and art, the, the evidence for a highly technological society predating man's history is overwhelming. Now the question is, is the one that you just asked, could that have been a previous human civilization that somehow just disappeared and we, we can't seem to find much about it? Or did it have something to do with extraterrestrials? And my money is on the extraterrestrials, and the reason for that is is that in every human culture around the world, Asia, Europe, Africa, you name it, there are legends, stories, myths, 
that have come down uh, by word of mouth over the ages that talk about gods from the skies that fly in, in some sort of machines and fly around and land and then talk to the humans and, 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 and have discourse with the humans, live with the humans. And these, if you were just making up something and you wanted to make up a god, you'd have some great amorphous thing that was, you know, that was uh, uh, totally beyond human comprehension. These gods from the skies, they ate, they drank, they changed clothes, they took baths, they slept with women, okay? They obviously were uh, not that far removed from ourselves. Now, wait a minute. They were messing with our women? Ah, that's what the Bible says. The Bible talks about the Elam. The Elam, according to the Bible scholars, uh, were the product, the produce of of uh, women and gods from the sky. Uh, if we had a landing um, in Washington or Moscow or the CFR meeting or you know wherever it would be, if we had a landing, what do you think would happen? What there, you know the Brookings report? I know you know about that. Oh I, yeah, yeah, that, I cover that. It suggests that um, there would be great disruption. That one of the most um, uh, disrupted uh, groups would be the scientists. <laughs> Very much so. Um, you believe that still to be accurate today? No, I really don't. I think that when that report was issued, which was back somewhere around 1952, uh, I think there may be uh, some validity to that. I think people were not ready. I think our sophistication wasn't there. Our not scientific knowledge wasn't there. And like I said, polls showed that the vast majority of people at that time disbelieved that there was any life outside the Earth. Today, the polls show the exact opposite. Most everybody thinks that, yeah, it stands to reason, it makes sense that there would be other life out in the universe. Universe. And then plus with all of the conditioning that we've had, uh, particularly, and, and I, like your, I like your term, the quickening, because I think it is a quickening. I think that uh, we have just, just snowballed along, and now with the X-Files and the dark skies and the, and the uh, men in black and all the things that are going on, you look around, you can't go anywhere without seeing an alien on a T-shirt or something. I think, uh, I think we're, we would be more open to this. Well, think about this, Jim. Uh, on, of all places, the Travel Channel, there was a little factoid yesterday. And they said, did you know that from the moment the Wright brothers took their first flight uh, until the Apollo astronauts first stepped on the moon, there was 66 years. Now, that's really something to think about. We went from barely getting off the ground mm -hmm. to the moon in 66 years. That's right. And if you would go back just to that, the beginning of that 66 years where they were just, the Wright brothers were just being, uh, putting a machine up above the, uh, uh, the surface of the, of the earth just a little bit and showed them a television, a color television, they would have thought it was magic. Oh, absolutely. Because there wasn't any thought of that. In fact, I hate to date myself, but <laughs> let me tell you this. I can remember as a young kid, there was no television. Now, see, I don't quite remember that. What I remember is... I can is, remember when there was no television. I remember the first round little TV that came in a giant box. My dad put an antenna out on the, on, on the, uh, on the fence, and right. lo and behold, images appeared. So that dates me. Right. But, uh, but I'm saying, you know, I still think of myself as a young guy. I'm just a, I'm just a little over 50. And, uh, and yet when I was like, you know, 8, 9, 10 years old, there was no television.
Okay. We listen to radio. Yeah. That was it. Sure. I remember radio, too, early days uh, when radio told stories. Actually, in a lot, lot of ways, we've come full circle because here we are doing the kind of thing we're doing right now, which is not that far flung from what was done then on radio. Interesting, huh? It is. <laughs> what goes around comes around. I guess so. Um, but, yes, and I think that has a lot to do with the uh, our perception of aliens is that, uh, and that's all changed. You know, in the 50s they were bug-eyed monsters, and in the 70s they were E.T., uh, you know, in close encounters, and now we're kind of back to, uh, to let's attack the world again. What do you think we really know about the pyramids? If you had to guess, I'm going in uh, October to Egypt and to Giza, and I hope to get out of there alive for a number of reasons, <laughs> but I want to visit the pyramids. There's something very special about the pyramids. Absolutely, and I think, I think the key thing that I would say about the pyramids is that... Um, of course, in, in popular and conventional thought, uh, it, they were built by the uh, Egyptians using their slaves, uh, and yet the Egyptians only only lived about 3,000 years ago. That's right. Uh, there is water um, uh, damage on the pyramid, yep. uh, water erosion. That's true. And, and they know it's water because it's vertical instead of horizontal. The wind, when the wind blows, it's horizontal erosion. And uh, so this means that the pyramid was subjected to heavy rains at one point, and there has not been any heavy rains on the Giza Plateau in about 10,000 years. Right. So the pyramid obviously predates the Egyptians by about 7,000 years. Mm -hmm. um, there's a relationship, you firmly believe, between what's at Giza and what's at Sidonia. Well, I don't really know, but it's certainly intriguing because the photographs that we do have of the Sidonia region on Mars indicates pyramids of the of the of similar size and configuration uh, as those on on the Giza Plateau. Certainly, something to think about. It certainly is, and and that comes back to the fact that you know that would indicate that there was somebody at some time who might could have traveled from Egypt to Mars. And uh, and yet and there's other evidence of that though. For instance, in my book Alien Agenda, I talk about the Piri Reis maps, which uh, were done in the 1500s, based on maps that went all the way back to Alexander the Greek, that were based on uh, maps that even went further back than that. And these maps that were done by Piri Reis in the 1500s clearly show the an accurate outline of the coastline of Antarctica. How could they have possibly known that? They could not, because it was only until we had satellites and uh, infrared imaging that we were able to determine the true outline of the coastline of Antarctica, because it's under an ice shelf. What do we know about the ancient astronauts? How much good documentation is there that others were here? Aside from mapping, uh, there are a lot of glyphs. There are a lot of, uh, there's other proof, isn't there, that, they were right. here, or you've we got, were you've here. Got, you've got ancient batteries. You've got ancient computers that have been found. You've got the undisputed uh, astronomical knowledge of people who, back in the dim recesses of, of our early history. How could they have known these things? How does the, 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 the tribe in Africa that talks about uh, the, uh, a, uh, uh, the two sons 
of the uh, Sirius system. How could they have known that? Uh, it took modern telescopes to find out that Sirius was a binary star. Uh we had, I had, uh, two NASA spokespeople on recently, uh, one of them for the Hubble Space Telescope and the other for uh, NASA Space Missions. And they told some kind of interesting stories, uh, uh, Jim, and then somebody came along and did a speech reversal on them, and some pretty strange things came out. You've got your own take on NASA. What do you think? Well, I've talked to too many people who work for NASA, and again, it's one of these things where uh, what they say publicly is often not at all what is said privately. Um, I think that uh, NASA, you have to understand, has been an integral, even though we like to think of it as our space program, it nevertheless has been an integral part of our defense program for years sure. and has been under the very stringent control of the military. Well, if what you say about the moon is so, mm -hmm. uh, NASA's been to the moon. Mm -hmm. So what is it you suspect? I mean, uh, uh, I, I'll just ask you straight out. Do you believe that NASA has lied to us about the moon? I think NASA has. Yes, I think they have. Uh, I think they have sequestered uh, uh, photographs. Uh, I know people who've gone down there and tried to get some of these photographs. They have millions of them, and uh, it, it seems. And if you go down there and, and you just want a picture of the surface of the moon, they'll give you a real nice one, all oh, yeah. framed, you oh, know. Yeah. But if you ask them for the ones that show very odd things, such as tracks uh, moving in uh, odd directions on the moon, uh, suddenly they can't find them. Or, uh, or they give you some blurry shot, you know, that really doesn't show anything. Uh, yes, I, I think there is a plenty of evidence to show that NASA has not been very forthcoming with the public. In fact, one of the things in researching my book, Alien Agenda, uh, that I found the most compelling as far as evidence of, of uh, UFO activity around the Earth was the uh, uh, videotape from the Space Shuttle Discovery that was taken in September of 1991. And uh, this tape was obtained from NASA, and it, it clearly shows to the, just the untrained eye that there are bright objects uh, a very great distance away from the Space Shuttle that are moving, uh, accelerating, decelerating, you are, uh, changing you are, course. Yeah, you're referring, I believe, to STS-48? STS-48, absolutely. And, of course, NASA comes uh -huh. back and says, oh, well, these are just uh, uh, ice uh, crystals from a, from a water dump, you know, right. and they're floating beside the... Uh, the, the uh, shuttle, but the problem is if you watch the entire four-minute uh, section of the tape, the camera pans downward to the shuttle, and then the camera comes into focus into the shuttle bay, which means it's focusing close up, which means when it was showing these objects, it was focused at infinity. And you're not going to see ice crystals floating near exactly the, right. the shuttle uh, at, when a camera's focused at infinity. So here again, we have uh, NASA officials that are dissembling. Right before our eyes. Let me tell you something, Jim. Um, I'm good friends with, I'm sure you know, Richard Hoagland. Oh, yeah. Um, Richard came to see me a couple of weeks ago. When he came, he brought with him the STS-80 video. Nobody's really seen it yet, and I can only talk about it in a very limited way, but I can tell you this. The STS-80 video makes the STS-48 video look like a child's sandbox. <laughs> I, I'm serious. Right. 
Um, what's depicted in 48 is very interesting, mm -hmm. uh, very controversial. What is depicted in STS-80 is not only controversial, it's incontrovertible. Right. And uh, so they're doing work on that right now, and Richard's going to be on the air with it. But, uh, it, 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 you know, if you're writing another book, which I suppose you're going to have to, uh, it'll be a full chapter, believe me. Uh, this is the kind of thing, but let me let me let me express for you. This may be a good point to express my concern. Here's my concern. Right now, the government is just acting like it's not happening. You know? well, hold on a moment, Jim. Um, okay. It's a good hook point. Your concern is where we will come to when we come back. It's the bottom of the hour. Relax. Jim Mars is my guest. His book is Alien Agenda. I'm Art Bell. This is Premier Networks. That was Art Bell hosting Coast to Coast AM on this Somewhere in Time. featuring Coast to Coast AM from June 11, 1997. Good morning, everybody. I'm Art Bell. My guest is Jim Mars. He's author of a brand new book, a comprehensive look at all that we believe is out there called Alien Agenda. He'll be right back. Coast to Coast AM app is here, now available for Android as well as iPhone. For Coast Insiders, it offers the ability to download the most recent shows so you can listen to them at your leisure. The new app also has listen live and streaming features, plus recaps, contacts, and upcoming show info. Coast Insiders with Android System 4.0 and above or iPhone. Check out our new app at the Google Play or iTunes stores or link from the Coast website. Get a new view of the world with Coast to Coast AM. First of all, I want to just thank you for bringing everyone out here to Cornucopia of just phenomenal knowledge 
I don't know of anyone else that I've ever listened to on radio that just fills my brain and stimulates me. But, you know, I was listening to the show, and I thought to myself, do you think, George, the common citizen such as you or I, really has any hope towards the future of any privacy or anything else? I think we do. I think eventually so many people will see the light, see what you see, see what I see, that eventually they're going to say enough is enough. And I think that we do have a future, and we're going to win in the long run. It's going to be bumpy along the way. It's not going to be easy, but we will get there. That's my take, and you know what? As long as I can continue on the airwaves and tell people this, I shall. Now, we take you back to the past on Art Bell Somewhere in Time. Back now to Jim Mars, and uh, Jim, you were talking about your concerns. Um, concerns. What concerns do you have? Well, I think that right now we see the government, uh, you know, in, in a deep state of denial, and they're saying nothing's going on. I think what's going to happen pretty quickly, and from what I hear from you, I think you would agree with this, that there's going to be some sort of event that will be undeniable, and too many people will see it too much news coverage, Some, something's going to happen that they can't deny. And at that point, this is where my concern comes in. I think that they have probably already set up the mechanism and have already had the contingency plans drawn up. And at that point, it's going to be, well, yes, your government is looking into this situation, and, uh, and then during this crisis, uh, you'll have to just give up all your civil liberties so we can protect you mm. from these things. Mm. Uh-huh. Well, I um, I wonder how people are going to react if there were an undeniable, unambiguous uh, presence suddenly, and the government admitted to it. Um, if an event of that magnitude occurred, the churches, um, the people who, who go to work every day, the, the government itself, um, the scientists, every institution, what would begin to happen on Earth, do you think? There would be a lot of fear. And when people get fearful, they do crazy things. They will give up their thinking. They will give up their rights. They will just, you know, say, please protect me, somebody. Yeah, okay. Well, that might be the goal of government anyway. So there are a number of people who say whether UFOs are real or not, there may come a time when the government would, um, if necessary, stage an event. Mm-hmm for the very purpose that you just named. Certainly has happened before. The, the Nazis themselves burned down the Reichstag, their Congress, and then blamed it on the communists and then set off a whole nationwide uh, 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 palm ground against uh, all kinds of people, the Jews and the communists and everybody else. So. Well, we've certainly seen it in foreign affairs. Vietnam is another good example. Exactly. Uh, the, the Gulf of Tonkin. Uh, we wanted something to happen. We made it happen. Well, here's the thing. You know, I'm a Vietnam-era guy. In fact, I was in the Army during Vietnam. I didn't, I didn't go overseas. But, but yeah, 
I, I, I had hoped that we would have learned something from that because going into Vietnam, we were pretty naive and we pretty well believed what we were told and we believed, you know. But coming out of Vietnam, I thought we had wised up some. But then you see the the Gulf War, okay? And here's a guy who had been a two-bit tin-horn dictator, but he was our two-bit tin-horn dictator. And then all of a sudden, uh, he uh, defaults on his international bank loans and becomes a the new Hitler. And uh, people, you know, and to me, it was a very blatant, it was an economic situation. Uh, Saddam Hussein goes to our ambassador, April Glasby, and says, uh, what are you all going to do if I invade Kuwait? And he was told, well, that's an Arab question. We don't have any particular thought on that. What does that sound like? It sounds like do what you want to do. And yet when he does it, all of a sudden, uh, President Bush is drawing a line in the sand. And I was absolutely astounded. I look around here, and I see all the people I live around, and my neighbors and friends and everybody, and everybody. Tying yellow ribbons, and they're just—they're falling for it. And then, of course, we we defeat the third largest military force in the world in a matter of uh, you know weeks. And then, as we're about to close it all down and and claim the final victory, I don't know. I guess he picked up the telephone, told those international bankers he'd start paying his uh, uh, <laughs> paying his interest, and and it all stopped. Right? Yep. And he's still there. So, you know, what's, it, what's that all about? And we're probably going to have to go back and do it all over again. Probably so. And now are we all just going to fall in line again and put up our yellow ribbons and say yay for our side and just, you know, just follow along like the little sheep that I guess we are? I don't know. But uh, it, it bothers me because if something of the magnitude of extraterrestrial visitation comes about, it, it, there is going to be a lot of fear going on, and, and it, we will be ripe uh, to be uh, whipsawed around by anybody that wants to claim authority. You know? All right. What is your take on abductions? Um, a lot of uh, people like John Mack and others have felt that abductions are the proper course to follow in trying to figure out what's going on here. I think that I might concur with that. I think abductions are, the, you know, they've only kind of cropped up in recent years. Uh, I guess maybe Betty Barney Hill was the first big, uh, big one that was publicized, and that occurred about 1965. Um, I think what's going on here is that these visitors are bypassing the official government representatives, because I think they may have tried to deal with them, and it was all swept uh, <laughs> under secrecy, and, and, and plus maybe deals weren't honored. Uh, you know, uh, ask the uh, Native American Indians. They'll tell you about uh, <laughs> deals with the, with the central government. Hey, look, if they treated the aliens, uh, our government, that is, the way they've treated us, then I think you're exactly right. Uh, they would have dealt with them for a while. And then, much like I have, thrown up their hands right. and said, these people are ir irrelevant. That's right. Forget them, you know. <laughs> and so I think they're coming straight to the people now. You mentioned the abductions. I mean, let me blow you away a little bit here. All right. Be my we, guess. We're all aware of the abductions because uh, the people who have had these have had basically uh, apparently negative and traumatic experiences. Right. Therefore, they turn to professional help. They go on the talk shows. They go public. They say, what has happened to me? And that's what we know about abductions. And that's the kind of people that Dr. Mack and uh, Bud Hopkins and others are dealing with. What I discovered in researching my book, Alien Agenda, is that there's a whole lot of folks out there who say, well, I've had an experience like that, but I thought it was kind of neat, and I agreed to go along. In fact, I've agreed to work with them. 
and uh, and and I, I wasn't traumatized. And as a result, they don't seek professional help. They don't seek the public ridicule by going public with their story. And if my reading on all that's correct, then this abduction or contact uh, type situation is much more widespread than even we believed, you know. At first. Well, you got to figure it this way. A lot of people fearing ridicule would not come forward. Right. Probably the majority of right. them would not come forward. Right. Uh, now, with abductions, there has been a certain amount of physical evidence, scoop marks on the skin uh, and implants. And I think I noticed about the only photographs you had in your book appeared to be of, uh, is it of an implant? Um. I don't believe I have a picture of an implant, no. Uh, uh, but there are people who, who say that these things uh, exist. In oh, fact, I'm sorry. A, I, it's puzzling fragment, not an implant. Uh, uh, yeah, that's not an implant. No, that was a, a fragment from the 1897 Aurora uh, spaceship crash. Um, Which, doctor, again, predates all our moderns. All right, Dr. Mack removed or had removed um, an implant. Uh, which I've had on my website for probably a well, better part of a year now. Right. Uh, and we've got um, um, electron microscope photographs of this implant, and it looks very much like something biological itself. Well, that seems to be one of the arguments. You know, the the, uh, the debunkers come up and say, well, you haven't shown me anything that's demonstrably from another galaxy. Uh, some of this stuff's kind of by, you know, by... Uh, uh, organic, uh, but then think about it. Uh, the, the, the more advanced we get, the more organic we're trying to make things. Uh, they're they're making uh, hearts and, and kidney transplants, things like this. They're trying to get as organic as they can to uh, to overcome the rejection problem. So <laughs> just because you find something that's organic uh, doesn't necessarily mean that it's uh, homegrown. All right, you've got a picture here of what appears to be a mothership. Jim Cuffle, is it? Right. Uh, tell me about this photograph. It's a oh, pretty uh, intriguing photograph, I must say, and uh, I'll hold it up for those who are watching on the web. Well, I'll be the first to tell you that this is not an Independence Day craft. This, uh, in all probability, is a temperature inversion. But I published that because uh, this Jim Cuffle uh, brought that to me, showed me to me. It was such a just an intriguing-looking photograph. He took that in the... Uh, the skies near Antioch, Illinois, on November the 10th, 1996, and it was just an intriguing photograph. But I wanted to include that to show what what kind of things are up there that we don't often see and could mistake for a UFO. Because I'm sure you'll agree with me. There undoubtedly there are some hoaxes and there are some misinterpretations oh, yes. of natural phenomena. Oh yes. That's why, like for instance, I live out here in the uh, uh, about uh, 80 miles northwest of the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and I'm out in San of a semi-rural area, and I've got some incredible skies out here. I also happen to be right near the northwest corner of, of what they call the box, which is where the airlines gather and to be vectored into the DFW airport. And uh, so I'm used to seeing all these little lights and things twinkling and things moving in the night sky. Sure. And and But I'm the last one. It's going to point to one of those and say that must be a UFO because lights moving in the sky has never impressed me that much. Same here. <laughs> Same here. And, uh -huh. you, and you remember Art, some of the early photographs where you got, you know, like a little fuzzy 
blur, you know, in a blob. You know, well, that I always took that with an open mind, but that could be anything. You don't have a website up, do you? Uh, no, I am thinking seriously about uh, to getting into all that, but uh, my big problem is I, I live so far out from the city that up until recently uh, I couldn't get to a service provider except long distance, and that was would have run my phone bill up <laughs> unacceptable height. Well, you can get somebody who's good, and they can put together a good website for you. Believe me, it can be done. All right, uh, underground. Now, I've interviewed a number of people about underground bases and tunnels and all sorts of things. What do you believe exists underground? What what uh, investigation have you done in that area? I don't know. That's intriguing. There is absolutely no question that just beginning in the 50s and through the 60s and 70s that the government participated in an, in an extraordinary amount of uh, underground construction. Uh, they have things that, you know, that facilities that some people aren't even aware of. Plus, there are large corporations that have built huge underground facilities. And uh, Really? Yeah, and it's really interesting. Uh, I really think that what happened here was back in the 50s, they, their big fear was a nuclear war and, and nuclear fallout. I, you know, you probably were, uh, you're about my age. You remember in school when you go out and put the newspaper over your head, right? Duck and cover. Yeah, gun. duck and cover. Yep. And, well, these folks decided that, you know, they really wanted to be safe, so they built these huge underground things. But I think that it's evolved now, and I think that they're to the point now to where they realize that being underground in shelter uh, might not necessarily save you from earth changes from earthquakes, from volcanoes, from things that have been going on right here, you know, in our own country uh, over the last couple of decades. And so I think it's entirely possible that there are, again, a facet of this secrecy is to keep sophisticated and uh, futuristic uh, 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 spaceflight uh, a secret. In other words, we, we get to watch the, the space shuttle, and we get to watch the, the Soviet and the American astronauts up there cavorting around, but while that's holding our attention, they're using perhaps some very exotic technology to just lift off and fly on off to the moon or some Mars or somewhere else. That, that's, an, that's, a, that's a very real possibility. Do you think that uh, our present government, our current president, for example, Bill Clinton, knows of this um, duality, this, uh, these parallel and very different space programs? I doubt it. I don't think he has a need to know. These, these, uh, these, this secrecy was instituted years ago. Um, in fact, uh, in fact uh, just the other day I was talking to a fellow who had uh, spoken, and I, as I have too, with uh, former Senator Barry Goldwater. And Goldwater, who was a ranking military officer as well as a powerful member of Congress, said that he couldn't get to any of this stuff, that it was classified much higher than, than he could get to, and uh, basically kind of supported that idea. Well, I've got Goldwater on tape, thanks to uh, a friend of mine at KCMO in uh, Kansas City. I've got Barry Goldwater on tape uh, talking about a time that he addressed... Uh, General uh, uh, Curtis LeMay, right, and asked him about this specifically, and Curtis LeMay um, literally cussed him out mm -hmm. and told him, "Don't you ever, ever ask about that again." Mm -hmm. That was Barry Goldwater. And there's a ranking member of Congress. Now, if a ranking member of Congress can't find out what's really going on, 
you know, why do people make fun of the average citizen when they complain that they can't find out what's going on? Another interesting story. Uh, one other president, Jimmy Carter, of course, promised right. when he was running that he would tell the American people all of, you know, whatever he would find out if he became president. Right. Well, he did, and he didn't. Right. And, of course, Jimmy Carter has been one of our better ex-presidents, and um, he was at a book signing recently, which one of my listeners went to, and the listener really described it well. Said so Jimmy Carter was sitting there. You know how you do. You've been to book signings. Just quickly uh, signing a book, hardly looking up at the person, uh, handing them the book, going as fast as he could. Right. This fellow went out of his way to capture Carter's attention, you know, eye contact. Uh-huh. And he said, President Carter, you promised to tell all you knew about UFOs and then didn't do it. Why? And Carter just sat there and looked at this fellow. And tears formed in the side of his, uh, in the corner of his eyes. It's quite a story, and uh. and so it may be that some presidents have known some things. Right. But what can you imagine, Jim, that could be so dramatic that they could be told that would stop them from from uh, fulfilling a campaign promise or telling us what they wanted to tell us? What could be so Profound mindset, and let me explain what I'm talking about. Uh, pretty quickly here, I, you may or may not be aware of this. I'm sure you will. Pretty quickly, there's a book coming out by a fellow named Philip Carso, and Carso uh, yes. has impeccable military credentials, very high ranking. In fact, was within intelligence and connected to the Eisenhower White House. And this book is going to really be a bombshell because he claims that he actually held the Roswell debris in his hand and actually saw the bodies and that it was a flying saucer and that it was bodies, okay? And he's going to support the whole thing, the whole story that we've all already heard. But along with that, he I have heard from a, a friend of mine that has spoken with him that he says that the secrecy surrounding all this was necessary because these folks are evil and hostile. And I'm going, you know, how's that? And I said, what? What did he say that supports his idea that these people are, are evil and hostile? And uh, the fellow who had spoken with him said, well, he said that uh, they came and hovered over our military installations and our nuclear installations. And when, when we told them to halt, they wouldn't halt. And, we, and uh, you know, we fired at them, and they went away. And then, But then they came back, and they just, they just we couldn't control them. They oh, were yeah. there. I'm fond of saying uh, the conclusion of Blue Book was, whatever these are, they are not a threat to national security. Well... When they hover over ICBM sites, shut down ICBMs, hover over Russian uh, ICBM sites, right. and start launch sequences, right. if these or, things and, and change the launch codes. That's right. So yeah. if, if if these things do not represent threats to national security, I want a good definition of national security. <laughs> Jim, hold on. We'll get back to you. And when we come back, we're going to go to the phones. Jim Mars is my guest. Alien Agenda is his book. Uh, by the way, coming up in this break, uh, if you're seeing the studio webcam, I'm going to entice my wife in so you'll see her for a moment. The trip back in time continues with Art Bell hosting Coast to Coast AM. More Somewhere in Time coming up.
we take you back to the past on Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Jim Mars is my guest. He's got one of the most popular books in the country right now. It's called Alien Agenda, and we're going to go to the phone shortly. So across the entire spectrum of, of the whole alien thing, if you have questions, he's your guy. He's, uh, as a journalist, just about investigated every area. It's absolutely incredible. It's quite a book. You've got to read it. Uh, we'll get to uh, Jim again in a moment. The new version of the Coast to Coast AM app is here, now available for Android as well as iPhone. For Coast Insiders, it offers the ability to download the most recent shows so you can listen to them at your leisure. The new app also has listen live and streaming features, plus recaps, contacts, and upcoming show info. Coast Insiders with Android System 4.0 and above or iPhone. Check out our new app at the Google Play or iTunes stores or link from the Coast website. Looking for the truth? You'll find it on Coast to Coast AM. Nobody wants journalism, obviously. But I don't know who to believe anymore. Because, you know, if something happens, you would think, oh my gosh, this is real terrorism. But then on the other hand, you say, this is just their way of saying we need to implement more of these controls. Not everything is a conspiracy. The problem is you have to look at everything as if it's a conspiracy. Because nowadays, you just don't know. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time, tonight featuring Coast to Coast AM from June 11th, 1997. All right, uh, Jim, uh, you mentioned... Um you mentioned uh, the Corso book coming out, right? Mm -hmm. There's a big controversy going on with that right now uh, with Senator Thurman. I, I'm sure you know about that. Oh, yeah. Um, he wrote the foreword to the book, and in a statement, Thurman said that he agreed to provide the foreword on the understanding the book was autobiographical and that now he regrets that it appears to bolster claims of government conspiracy and cover-up, quote, I know of no such cover-up, the senator said, and do not believe that one existed, end quote. He may very well uh, not. Uh, you, we were talking uh, previously about uh, Senator Barry Goldwater. Yes. You know? uh, now, Goldwater knows that something's being covered up because when he tried to ask about it, he was cussed out. But if he had not asked about it, he wouldn't have known, and he could have probably said legitimately that he knew of no cover-up. Uh, you know, everybody up in Washington is not in on this. Everybody in the military is not in on this. I'm not in on it. I'm not either. I'm on the outside looking in, but uh, there's been enough evidence uh, that's popped up over the last 50 years that I think uh, any reasonable person would have to say there's something going on. It's, uh, anybody would, In fact, this is why I think my book, Alien Agenda, may be just the ticket for people who uh, have seen UFOs or who know people who have had an experience and that really know and believe that there's something going on. And the biggest problem they have is with their friends and relatives and neighbors who say, oh, you don't believe that. 
old UFO stuff, do you? You know, well, this is the book to give to those people. And let them read it cover to cover, and then have them look you in the eye and tell you there's nothing going on. I just don't think you could, uh, that you could do that if you were any kind of reasonable person. All right. Let me warn you what we're about to do. We're going to go to the phones. I don't screen calls, Jim. I have no idea what's coming up. So you're facing the general raw public. Bring them on. <laughs> yeah, bring them on. All right. Uh, east of the uh, Rockies, you're on the air with Jim Mars. Hi. Hi. This is Dan in Virginia. How you doing? Great. It's nice to, to hear a fellow Texan on the line, even though I'm living in Virginia. <laughs> you can take the Texan out of Texas, but uh, not the other way around. Right? Absolutely. Uh, I have a couple questions. One, have you had any personal experiences yourself? Uh, not as far as I know. I give one one brief little mention in the introduction of my book. When I was a young kid, I uh, had an experience seeing a real bright light that I thought was the landing light of an aircraft, but there was no sound. And I thought at the time it was a little odd, and I still think it's a little odd, but you know, but I'm not going to try to say what that was. And so as far as I know, no, I have not really had any personal experiences. Okay. Uh, next thing is... Um... Have you have you tried to find a correlation between some of the prophecies, prophecies you know, the Hopi Indians, uh, you know, the Bible, the Mayans, the Mayans, and yeah. so forth? Yeah, uh, there is a surprisingly uh, a surprising amount of consistency in some of those stories and legends and prophecies, and uh, um, I think it's probably like any other endeavor of man. I, I don't think you can grab one and say that this is the definitive answer, but when you uh, study all of them, there seems to be kind of a general uh, outline of, of what goes on, and it, uh, it's pretty interesting. Oh, absolutely. You know, this knowledge uh, had to come from some time in the past. And some, That's right. Some connection, you know, uh, the sciences they had. Uh, you know, these are natives running around, supposedly, you know, right. you know, uh, with no mathematics and so forth, but yet they had the star systems mapped out even before we were able to find them. That's right. And in, in all these ancient cultures, uh, you know, uh, when you ask the question, well, where did they learn all this, almost without exception, they say, well, the, uh, the, the gods from the sky came down and gave us this information. What about the one down around Austin? Uh, and then I think they saw it in Dallas, uh, oh, probably about three or four weeks ago. Have you oh. talked to anybody? Yeah. Oh, yes, 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 yeah, yes. Yeah. Thank you, caller. Um, yeah, something that apparently went from Austin toward Dallas. I had a lot of reports about that. Right. And and listen, I think that's one of the things that your your show is really doing a bang-up good public service on, Art, is because here's what really bothers me, especially coming from the media as I do. Just since the first of this year, 1997, uh, we're not talking ancient history. We're talking about right now. There have been some major UFO sightings in the Boston area, in the Atlanta area, in yep. the Dallas-Fort Worth area, right. and, of course, now, as mentioned, uh, above, the, above Phoenix. And yet, where's the national media? See, it, it, it's almost as if there's a news blackout on all of this. Now, the local uh, media will talk about it. Let me, tell you something. Let me tell you something, Jim. I had... A, um, uh, a Phoenix City Council member on the air, very brave lady uh -huh. who dared go in front of the council and say, shouldn't we investigate this this monstrous thing that uh, appeared above our city, almost like ID4? I mean, it was just monstrous. And they came down on her like a ton of bricks. Uh, that's, that's the mindset at work reinforced by the government secrecy. 
and and I think it's just horrendous. Now the government is going to do what it does, you know, and uh, and if people uh, people other politicians, local officials choose to follow them, that's all right too. But again, my thing is. Where's the news media? The news media wraps itself in the First Amendment, tells us it's the watchdog for the public. So where are they? And I'll tell you what the problem is. It's not that it's not in censorship or suppression of the individual editors and reporters out here across the country. Obviously, that doesn't happen. But here is the key to the uh, control of the media: art is in the control of the distribution of the information. I watch uh, carefully. I've been involved in a couple of large national stories lately, uh, Jim, and it is my absolute observation that God help the person who tries to get in the way of the way the American media has decided it wants to tell a story. What, right. occurred, what occurred at Rancho Santa Fe was uh, an exquisite example of that. They determined in the beginning how they were going to tell it, and by God, don't let any facts get in the way of that. That's right. I was astounded. I mean, you know, I come, you and I are about the same age. You might be a little older than I am. Uh, but I come from an era when, you know, when the FBI would come up to the podium and they'd say something. It was like, it was like gold, you know. It was gospel. That's right. It was gospel. Yeah. Uh, what the president said, what the various agencies said, even the alphabet agencies, it was like gospel. Today... It's totally the other way around. When they come and say something about uh, an investigation they're doing, you can, you should almost assume the exact opposite. That's right. That's right. Very sad. Very dangerous. And exactly. And I think it's very reprehensible. And and yet and yet that's what goes on. And and whose fault is it? Is it the public that has suddenly just overnight become jaded and cynical, or is it the officials? Uh, within government who have been caught lying to us year after year after year. Too many times. Too many times. Uh, I think I mentioned in, in my book, Alien Agenda, if the federal government of the United States was an individual, none of us would have anything to do with him. Because <laughs> he, he's a proven liar. <laughs> well, um, I'll tell you, I used to be very, very involved in politics. That's how I began in talk radio. And that was, in my opinion, in a day when politics was relevant. But I look now at what they're doing and arguing about back and forth in Washington, and frankly, I don't see the relevance for the American people any longer. The, the arguments seem uh, orchestrated and irrelevant, and so I've kind of given up on it uh, until something comes along that is relevant. West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Jim Mars. Hello. Hello. Hi. Where, where are you? This is Pat in Phoenix. Good. Welcome. Thank you. First time caller. I'm real excited. Have you seen the things in the, in the sky above your city? A uh, wonderful source of frustration. I believe in them wholeheartedly. I'm looking up all the time, and I have not seen one yet. I haven't seen it. Okay. Did no. you see coverage on local Phoenix television of the objects? Um, no, I didn't. There was very little. And even the talk among people and friends... Or, well, it was the Air Force, it was, it was all kinds of excuses. There was nothing ever validating. I believe flares was the first uh, explanation. Right. Military flares. Right. Um, my reason for calling was, well, the Ro going to the Roswell incident and a sense of is it not possible, even probable, that our government had the encounter, they had the people, alien, um, had the information that we are not ready to know what they're doing, 
and I hate to give our government any credit, but possible that they have kept it secret for that reason, and they've had a lot of anger over them, not publicizing, not telling us the truth, but yet they know they cannot tell, and that's the secrecy and why it's gone to the extreme that it has. Well, uh, I think that's that's a good part of it, because in my years as a journalist and a newspaper reporter, uh, the higher you get in... Uh, government bureaucracy, the more you run into this attitude of, I know what's best for the poor old masses. You know, they're just too dumb to figure out anything for themselves. And that is a very prevalent attitude. Uh, and, and as I say, it, the higher you go, the harder it gets. And, and uh, I think there's a lot of that to it. Um, I think you're absolutely correct. And a lot of people say the only way to do anything about that is to throw them all out all the time. But that isn't going to happen. Um, incumbents are returned 90-plus percent of the time, every single time. So I've, I'm sort of at a uh, a point where I don't know what to do about it, uh, what to do about the government, how to make them come clean. I think I think they're, 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 what they're going to do is just eventually uh, evolve themselves out of a job. Because you look at the last election, what, 25% of the uh, uh, voters even bothered to vote? That's right. You know, and so what's going to happen is I think uh, eventually our life and our culture will kind of evolve and move on along, and, and they're going to be back there screaming, hey, wait for us, we're your leaders. Uh, Jim, do you think time travel is possible? Yes, I do, but at this point, I don't much think that it's possible in a physical sense. I don't think we're going to be able to take... Uh, uh, human beings and hardware and guns and food and all this stuff and transport it back in time where I can see, in fact, from personal experience, I, I, I know because I've, I've done uh, some remote viewing on my own and I think that through the, uh, the technology of remote viewing, uh, I think that that is maybe our best, most immediate uh, means of time travel. Well, the classic question was always, if time travel is possible, where are all the time travelers? Right. And I had an interesting character on the show, a show I'll never forget, Terrence McKenna, and I asked him that. And he said, well, they'll be here as soon as time travel is invented. <laughs> it's an interesting concept. <laughs> That's a conundrum, isn't it? Yes. First time caller line, you're on the air with Jim Mars. Hi. Hi. Hello. Where are you? I'm in Salem, Oregon. Salem, Oregon. Okay. Go ahead. Um, I had a question for Jim, two actually related questions. All right. You're going to have to speak up good and loud. Okay. Um, Kick this up. I can barely hear him. I can barely hear him, too. So. Okay. How's this? Better. Okay. Um, uh, I'm actually up late here studying for an astronomy final uh -huh. uh, that I have tomorrow morning, and uh, my, my questions are... Um, if the government is keeping this such a secret, why are they doing it? And the second question is, um, I'm finding in my textbook uh, projects that are funded by NASA and by universities, which are funded by the government. Right. And their projects to search for extraterrestrial life. <clears throat> All right. Well, the right. first question, uh, why keep it a secret? Um I think that there's plenty of good reason for um, Roswell, for example, to have been kept secret, and then secrets have a way of maintaining themselves. 
and and I think that might account for why it is still a secret today. That's just my guess. They sort of, you know, once it's like a lie. Once you begin telling it, you've got to keep telling it, or you've got to explain how come you told it in the first place. That's right. If they come out now and try to say, yes, something very unusual did fall near Roswell, then they got, the next question is, well, why have you lied to us for 50 years? But, I, again, let me say the most straightforward answer to that question about secrecy is that there's no question because the documents clear, clearly show that the group in charge of all this is the U.S. military. And the military would view UFOs and spacecraft and all like that as advanced technology, and any advanced technology uh, would therefore be considered uh, a potential weaponry, and therefore they got to keep it secret because it's, they've been doing that for the last 50 or 100 years. Yeah, okay? and, and, and you know, they say the Cold War is over. I have great reservations about that. Right. Uh, spying is still going on. Submarines are still um, capable of launching uh, against us. Well, Art, also consider this. At the height of the Cold War, the Soviet people, uh, the people over in Russia, they only had to really worry about one intelligence uh, outfit, and that was the KGB. Okay? Mm -hmm. Today, in the United States of America, that claims to be free and democratic, uh, with no war going on and not even a Cold War, there are more than 22 secret intelligence agencies. Twenty-two. 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 And some of them so deep and dark that, you know, even the guy at the desk next to them doesn't know what's going on. It's not even really possible to follow the money. You know, they say follow the money, but the money is so black, so dark. You can't follow it. In my book, Alien Agenda, I point out that just last year the uh, GAO reported that uh, the uh, NRO, which is the National Reconnaissance Office, one of these secret intelligence outfits, lost $12 billion. They just lost it. We don't know where it went. And they and the New York Times, in reporting this, said that's due to the intense secrecy. That it's like safes within safes, and, and they, you know, different offices use different accounting principles, and they just didn't know where the money went. Boy, how'd you like to be the poor slob who had to go before some sort of senatorial or congressional committee right. and say, explain how you lost, lost, keyword, $12 billion. Gee, well, I had it when I came in. <laughs> <laughs> it was there one morning, and then it was gone. Yeah. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Jim Morris. Hi. Uh, Art, this is Vince uh, from Chicago. Hello, uh, Vince. Mr. Morris, I was wondering if you are related at all to another uh, author from Austin, Texas, by Tex the name of... Tex Mars. Tex Mars, exactly. Now, I'm very familiar with Tex Mars, but uh, as far as I know, there's no relationship there. Because Although every other Mars I ever ran into, if I talk with them long enough, we generally kind of start coming back to kind of uh, common ground. You know, because he's written some books about uh, the National Security Agency and uh, Project Lucid and uh, some of these. He has this uh, this theory about... Uh, oh, I know who Tex Morris is, and I'm sure Jim does, too. The New World Order, and the, he, he talks about an alien uh, plot uh, as far as the New World Order. It kind of works in with the alien plot. I, I really think you should talk to that guy. Get him on your program, Tex Morris, sometime. Uh -huh. He might... Uh, Offer a different perspective on uh, well, he alien would. thing. I, I know, I know, I know pretty much uh, the Tex Mars agenda. Let me put it that way. <laughs> uh, first time caller line. You're on the air with not Tex but Jim Mars. Hi. Uh, hi. How are you doing? Fine. Where are you? Uh, calling from uh, Canada. Canada. Okay. 
that's a Jim. That's a hell of a good name for a book. Alien Agenda. Yeah, that is I, uh, a good name. If you know, if uh, this big gray area turns out to be true, uh, if if all this is going to be some type of reality, I'm sure that uh, they do have an agenda of some sort. Absolutely. You know. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. You titled the book, uh, Jim, Alien Agenda, but do you really form conclusions in the book? Uh, in fact, that's a question for after the break, about what their agenda is. Very important question, and it's one we'll pick up on right after the break. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time, tonight featuring Coast to Coast AM from June 11, Coast to Coast AM from June 11, 1997. My guest is Jim Mars. His book is Alien Agenda, and that's exactly what we're going to ask him about uh, in a moment. What their agenda is, whether he comes to any conclusion in the book about their agenda. It's an important, non-trivial question. By the way, during the uh, last break... <laughs> My wife was in here. Uh, we've got the studio cam going, and I got the following message from Hawaii. Aloha, Art. Your wife was adorable in those sequences. You're one lucky Howley guy. <laughs> Kevin and Sharon in Honolulu, which is, of course, where my wife was uh, born. Eva Beach, actually. And, uh, yes, you're quite correct. I am certainly lucky. Coast AM sure sounds great in the middle of the night. But you know, you don't have to be nocturnal to enjoy this amazing show. The Coast Insider is your key to a normal life. For 15 cents a day, you can wake up refreshed knowing that last night's show is waiting for you with podcasting. Listen on your way to work and again on the way home. Or listen to one of over a thousand archived shows from the past three years. As a member, you'll have access to our monthly live chat sessions with George Nouri and special guests. The Coast Insiders Club is a must-have feature for all Coast to Coast AM listeners. Visit coasttocoastam.com to sign up today. 
you'll sleep like a baby, knowing you'll never miss your favorite guests and topics ever again. Remember, a one-year subscription comes out to only 15 cents a day. Sign up today at coasttocoastam.com. Looking for the truth? You'll find it on Coast to Coast AM. Nobody wants terms, obviously. But I don't know who to believe anymore. Because, you know, if something happens, you would think, oh my gosh, this is real terrorism. But then on the other hand, you say, this is just their way of saying we need to implement more of these controls. Not everything is a conspiracy. The problem is you have to look at everything as if it's a conspiracy. Because nowadays, you just don't know. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time, tonight featuring Coast to Coast AM from June 11th, 1997. Back now to Jim Morris, and we are going to increasingly concentrate on the phones here, so don't despair. A lot of you are trying to get through. Hang in there. Uh, Jim, your book is called Alien Agenda. Do you reach a conclusion in the book about what the agenda is? Well, we'll reach several conclusions. Uh, number one uh, is that we started off talking about UFOs represent real, material, tangible objects. And uh, uh, although there are probably some hoaxes, some misinterpretation, and there's probably some government secret uh, technology testing that uh, could approximate some of them, there is nevertheless uh, uh, an obvious uh, technology involved here that is beyond uh, what we humans have at this point. So that indicates that they're from somewhere else. Now, when we get into where they come from somewhere else, you get into a whole little morass of, of theories and conjecture. But again, going back to the government-trained and experienced remote viewers, they say, and this seems to be echoed by a lot of the New Age philosophy, a lot of the uh, abductees, the contactees, they say there's a whole universe of life out there, okay, and that there are many different species, probably thousands of them, uh, of, of uh, intelligence. Uh, in fact, so much intelligence that most of them don't even bother coming here. Um, they, uh, but there does seem to be perhaps as many as two dozen or maybe even more uh, of various uh, ET species that uh, are uh, having some sort of interaction with Earth. But again, you can't, they, they come from different places and they have different agendas. And some of them are uh, probably more benign than others. Uh, some of them may be here just on a scientific mission, just to check it out. Some may be wanting to just gather up a few specimens to get take back and put in a zoo or something. Who knows? But uh, it should be obvious, though, to anybody that's that's thinking that uh, none of these this bunch seems to be overtly hostile because of the sheer fact that uh, nobody's tried to attack the Earth so far. And it also makes sense uh, to understand that if they are as advanced technologically uh, as they seem to be, then they would be probably more advanced than us sociologically, and they understand that it's simply not right to interfere with the natural evolution of a species, and that's why there probably is something in effect uh, tantamount to what... Uh, they call in Star Trek the prime directive. Not to interfere. 
not to interfere. You know, it's just not right to interfere with the natural evolution of a species. However, I think what's going on here, though, is that they're being pressed on this issue because it would be one thing to just sit back and observe us and watch us do our thing and watch until we get to a point to where we finally evolve to where we can uh, uh, meet with them uh, on a uh, on a technical level and on a uh, social level. But here's the clicker. As you mentioned early in the program, we are in the process of basically destroying our world. Uh, you know, the, the ozone, the pollution, the, the rainforest, you name it. Yep. The worlds and in the, in the, the oceans are dying. Uh, the Mediterranean's practically already dead. Uh, we got some real problems here. And so I think they're being pressed to try to push us on up this evolutionary ladder a little bit quicker uh, in an effort to try to, uh, now they're not going to step in, and they're not going to thwart our free will, and they're not going to stop what we're doing, mm-hmm. but they're, I think they're trying to, ver- through various things, by letting us, by, by these sightings, by these abductions, by all these stories that are all flowing around the periphery of our day-to-day consciousness. They are impinging themselves into our reality and trying to get us to come get up to speed on our, uh, on our evolutionary progress so that we will make the decisions necessary to save ourselves and save our planet. Okay, if that's what they're doing, then one would conclude as conditions worsen, they will make their presence... Uh, more and more known. In other words, there will be more sightings, more uh, abductions. Uh, I would think so, and doesn't that seem to be exactly what's going on? Yes, sir. It sure does. Uh, west of the Rockies, you're on the air with Jim Mars. Hi. Hi, Art Bell. Yes, sir. Turn your Hi. radio off, please. Thank you, sir. My name is Mike, and I'm calling from Maui. Uh, Maui, I'm... Hawaii. Okay. Yeah, where you used to work, I think. I did, yes. Yeah. I'd like to uh, ask Mr. Mars a question. Mr. Mars. It's a pleasure to hear you this evening. I would like to know exactly uh, the title of your book being Alien Agenda. It sounds to me like you're giving, uh, without much knowledge, a lot of credit to the fact that an advanced species that can travel this far uh, would be harmless. Uh, it seems to me that if a... If a uh, well, now, I didn't say they were harmless. <laughs> what, what he said was that they have not yet harmed us in an overt way. Yeah. Okay. Well, and, and I'm sure. See, again, you have to understand. We're talking about different species, and and all, all of them have their own agendas. Okay. And, and uh, uh, um, some of them may not be as benevolent as others, but I, there seems to be no signs and no clear evidence that any of them are overtly hostile. I could um, understand. Uh, that theory, Mr. Mars. But, you know, uh, my point is what I want to get across, and I want to get your uh, opinion on this, if I can express it properly, is that uh, to get a species to, regardless of what type of species, what type of galaxy or planetary system they come from or whatever their elements may be, chemically or biologically, whatever, it would seem to me that beyond any kind of monetary, social uh, evolution, uh, they've been through the uh, value system of inventing and creating and getting through the however many years it takes for them to evolve into space travel, it would seem to me that it would be beyond the need for, say, plucking natural resources from a distant galaxy.
galaxy or they're destroying life of other forms just to see them squirm. Uh, it would seem to me sure. it would be even more than curiosity. Uh, just to, to even fathom what their agenda would be would almost be 101% pure speculation. Uh, you make a good point, and I, and I certainly acknowledge that. And I chose the title of my book, Alien Agenda, because it's just it's attention-getting. It uh, gets your attention, and that's what I'm attempting to deal with. But I certainly make no claims. Uh, that I'm laying down gospel here and that this is it. Uh, in fact, I, what I'm hoping and what I'm thinking I'm doing here is just barely opening the door on a public dialogue as to what is the agenda of these things. Uh, I think what I do uh, by trailing all the way back to the ancient astronauts coming on forward through the government secrecy, through the... Uh, uh, the Robertson panel through the uh, Condon report uh, detailing the whole history of the thing. I think I can prove to any reasonable-minded person that there is something valid going on. There's a real tangible reality happening here, and then so uh, and then I launch into some ideas and concepts about what this alien agenda may be. But I, you're absolutely right. Uh, it does get into the area of conjecture. And uh, I, what I'm hoping I'm doing here is simply opening up a public dialogue. Uh, for instance, uh, in the case of the Kennedy assassination, for so many years it was just socially unacceptable to even talk about it. But uh, by the late 80s, all of a sudden it was on the table. And now it's socially acceptable to talk about the Kennedy assassination. And I want to do the same thing with the uh, UFO issue. Now, um, Jim, what do you think of C. Seti and Dr. Greer's effort now? He's trying to get together a lot of uh, high-level military people who have signed oaths, have done that, mm -hmm. and has gone back to Washington and has tried to pre uh, present uh, incontrovertible evidence uh, collectively, I guess, or mm -hmm. cumulatively that cannot be ignored, demanding a congressional investigation of some kind. But, but you know, his problem is the same with Hoagland. Uh They're doing some really good work but they're not getting the widespread media coverage that they deserve. Sure. Uh, no, there, is, there is definitely a blackout. Let me, let me give you an example of how this works, and I'm not going to use this fellow's real name or the real network because I don't want to get anybody in trouble. But uh, the, let's just call this fellow Peter. Peter worked for one of the major uh, TV networks. Yeah. His job was on the weekend to take the uh, affiliate feeds and check it out and decide what's going to go on the national newswire, right? Right. Uh, okay. He said uh, that there was only two stories that required prior approval. In other words, he had to take them upstairs to somebody, some brass to get the approval on it. One of them was terrorism, and I think we can kind of understand why that's there. And yeah. But interestingly, he said most of the time, oh, occasionally they say, well, go easy on this or don't talk about this aspect. But most of the time, those stories went ahead and moved on, you know. He said the second topic was UFOs. And he said when it came to UFOs, the stories never came back. In other words, they never got on the network news. And this is what's contributing mightily to wow. the confusion and the controversy that's going on over the UFO issue is because there is control, very tight control, over the distribution of the information. Oh, now that's a hot piece of information, Jim. That's really hot. Yeah. Uh, you're pretty sure of that. Yeah. Uh, and yet, look at the way they covered Rancho Santa Fe. Oh, I know it. Well, look at the uh, look at the Bilderberger meetings. Okay. So it it was it was it seemed in a way when when you look at Rancho Santa Fe, it seemed the coverage seemed uh, derisive, 
trying to point out the nutcase crackpot aspect of it all. And, boy, they sure went with that. They didn't have any trouble making a decision in the newsroom, the boardrooms, to go with that. That's right. Uh, Time magazine wrote uh, a piece after Rancho Santa Fe referring to my program. And uh, the first line was uh, uh, talking about reality-challenged listeners. <laughs> so um, they cover it, but when they do... That, now, that's a mindset. That's the way they cover that's, it. That's their mindset. Their mindset you know. is is that I live in reality and you don't. <laughs> right. and, yet, and yet I think if you go and take a, an honest poll of the vast majority of the people in this country, they're going to say, hey, I live the real life. And the media lives in their ivory tower somewhere and has no concept of what's really going on. Boy, is that true. It's the... absolutely true. I come from the media. I worked in it for 30 years, and I can tell you that's exactly the way it is. East of the Rockies, you're on there with Jim Morris. Hi. Yeah, hello. I'm Robert calling from uh, Tennessee. Yes, sir. Yeah, and I was wanting to know what your uh, uh, guest thought about Dr. Greer's uh, last uh well, you just missed that one. I just, I, I just, just asked. Well, I've been on the phone calling for hours and a half. We just, yeah, we talked about. Okay, his comment was that Dr. Greer, like Richard Hoagland, um, are they're both doing good work, but they're not getting the proper coverage from the American media. That's his comment. I wanted to ask you one thing, Art. Uh, you remember when uh, he said that uh, none of his uh, 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 friends had their house or apartments burned down? A lot of that was overstated. Dr. Greer, yes. Uh, you interviewed somebody that was uh, uh, some kind of a jet pilot. I did. Oh, uh, I can't. Saber jet. I can't, I can't think of the uh, Saber jet. He, name. He flew a Saber jet. Yes, uh-huh. And he said he was threatened. Yes, he did. Uh, did you ever ask Dr. Greer about that? Uh, well, no, not other than, uh, the fact that Dr. Greer said that as far as he knew, nobody had been threatened. So that stopped that question, uh, cold. So I didn't, uh, proceed with that. West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Jim Mars. Good morning. Hi, Art. I can barely hear you there, sir. Hi, Art. Hello. Hey, calling from Big Island. Uh, oh, the Big Island of Hawaii. Right. All right. So, uh, talking about benevolent or non-benevolent uh, aliens, you know, every time we shoot up a rocket, we're hurting the ozone layer. So those puppies are coming down here and destroying the heck out of our ozone layer, and that's not too benevolent, is it? Well, well no. That's, that's if they are indeed uh, harming the ozone layer. Uh, we uh, there's no. We I don't think they know for certain that just passing through the ozone layer causes that amount of problem. It's our jets with their exhaust that sends uh, hydrofluorocarbons up into the ozone that's causing the problem. I'll buy that. Sounds good. Keep going. All right. Thank you very much. Um, I'll tell you. It's of course off into the land of conjecture. But if there were others, and if they could travel, and if they are watching us, and if you conclude that much is possible, then at the moment we begin to invent atomic energy, at the moment we have the ability to launch uh, vehicles off our own planet, it seems to me the level of interest um, would increase. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, uh, let me find this real quick. This is going to blow you away. It certainly blew me away. Uh, this is, uh, and, and keep in mind, this is not an absolute certainty, but uh, according to uh, 
Major Kehoe, who, as I studied and, and researched, came to have a kind of a grudging admiration for. He says that in 1946, a Dr. Fritz Zwicky participated in a secret Army ordnance project to bombard the moon, Mars, and other planets with projectiles launched on V-2 rockets in 1946. So the idea was they would place these things on top of V-2s, fire the V-2 up as far as it would go, and then basically like a second stage, zoom this thing on out into space with a warhead on it to create an explosion on the moon and on Mars and on maybe on Venus, other planets. Right. And then our astronomers then would look at this, and from the size, configuration, and, and density and everything of these explosions, they could hopefully learn more about the planets. Oh, that's but, great. Isn't yeah, that sure great? So we're Adam firing Bobby. missiles off at other planets, and then a year later all the UFOs show up. All right, Jim, can you spend one more hour? I'll try to hang on. All right, hang that's on, Jim. Time. What? what yeah, I know. Lord, if I'm abducted, don't let it be the grays. The short little guys with the big black eyes from a galaxy far away. I've heard the horror stories being taken in the dead of night. Laid out on the table like a Christmas tree, afraid I'd die from fright. They can paralyze you with their eyes and levitate you out of bed. Pull you right up through the ceiling and start messing with your head. Now if they would just stop at that, I wouldn't mind too much. But I've heard they'll probe you up and down and you won't like where they touch. Little country for you. The witnesses say they're a humorless bunch. By that, I'm quite surprised. Cause they watch all the reruns of I Love Lucy and the best of Saturday Night Live. I don't want to be a live experiment while the children in a place unknown. The girls splice your jeans and they grow test things with my dad, old guys alone. Please, Lord, if I'm abducted, don't let it be the grace. Sure, little guys with the big black eyes from the galaxy far away. Never thought they'd stay. Maybe hang around long enough to mutilate some cattle and they'd be on their way. We built them underground bases and the feeling right at home. Like that dreamland in Nevada where the antelope and aliens roam. And Art Bell knows what's going on. They probably give him rides for free. For all we know, he's one of them. That's why he's on radio and not TV. abducted, don't let it be the grace. The short little guys with the big black eyes from the galaxy far away. I've heard the horror stories being taken in the dead of night. This is CBC. Out on a table like a Christmas turkey, afraid I died.
to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight featuring Coast to Coast AM from June 11, 1997. Good morning, I'm Art Bell. My guest is Jim Mars, his book Alien Agenda. And we're going to get back to him in your calls, and we're going to lay heavily into the phones this hour. Coast to Coast AM app is here, now available for Android as well as iPhone. For Coast Insiders, it offers the ability to download the most recent shows so you can listen to them at your leisure. The new app also has listen live and streaming features, plus recaps, contacts, and upcoming show info. Coast Insiders with Android System 4.0 and above or iPhone. Check out our new app at the Google Play or iTunes stores or link from the Coast website. Get a new view of the world with Coast to Coast AM. First of all, I want to just thank you for bringing everyone out here to Cornucopia of just phenomenal knowledge. I don't know of anyone else that I've ever listened to in radio that just fills my brain and stimulates me. But, you know, I was listening to the show and I thought to myself, do you think, George, the common citizen such as you or I really has any hope towards the future of any privacy or anything else? I think we do. I think eventually so many people will see the light, see what you see, see what I see, that eventually they're going to say enough is enough. And I think that we do have a future and we're going to win in the long run. It's going to be bumpy along the way. It's not going to be easy, but we will get there. That's my take. And you know what? As long as I can continue on the airwaves and tell people this, I shall. Coast to Coast AM sure sounds great in the middle of the night. But you know, you don't have to be nocturnal to enjoy this amazing show. The Coast Insider is your key to a normal life. For 15 cents a day, you can wake up refreshed knowing that last night's show is waiting for you with podcasting. Listen on your way to work and again on the way home. Or listen to one of over a thousand archived shows from the past three years. As a member, you'll have access to our monthly live chat sessions with George Nouri and special guests. The Coast Insiders Club is a must-have feature for all Coast to Coast AM listeners. Visit coasttocoastam.com to sign up today. You'll sleep like a baby, knowing you'll never miss your favorite guests and topics ever again. Remember, a one-year subscription comes out to only 15 cents a day. Sign up today at coasttocoastam.com. Somewhere in Time with Art Bell continues, courtesy of Premier Networks. My guest is uh, Jim Mars, and his book is Alien Agenda. What a title, huh? And here he is once again. Jim, are you there? I am here. All right, good. I want to lay heavily into the phone lines this hour, and uh, so let's do it. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Jim Mars. Hello. Oh, Art? Yes, sir. How are you this evening? I'm or fine. this morning. <laughs> this morning. Uh, good morning. Uh, Mr. Mars? Yeah. Uh, I... Uh, I was wondering, are you the Tex Mars that I've heard about? No, no. It, he is not Tex Mars. It is no. not Tex Mars. Okay. No relation as far as I know. All right. Uh, well, I would like to share an experience that I had when I lived in California. I'm in Amarillo, Texas here. My name is Lynn. And uh, 
I had an experience with some uh, creatures. Uh, I was homeless at the time. We were living outside of a town in the San Joaquin Valley, and uh, there were kids that were coming out and raiding our, our, our homeless camp. And I happened to be there by myself one day, and I saw the grass moving, and I chased this thing down into the bushes. And uh, I caught up with it, and I opened the bushes, and uh, it wasn't reptilian, and it wasn't humanoid, and it wasn't what people call what the grays look like with the big eyes and everything. And uh, <laughs> I haven't shared this with too many people. So, well, feel... so what did it look like? It was, uh, well, like I said, it wasn't humanoid, and it wasn't reptilian. It was kind of, uh, um, uh, I don't know, a mauve color uh, mushroom-shaped head. Uh, when I went to reach for it to grab it, it had disappeared. You reached for it to grab it? Yeah, it was in the bushes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it, had, it had ducked into the bushes, and I spread the bushes apart to grab it. You know, and, and now like, you've said something that makes me disbelieve you or doubt you a little bit. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> why would you do that? I mean, that well, is, it's I, like the last thing in the world I would do with a creature is to try to grab it. Well, it scared me. And I, I scared it. It screamed at the same time I screamed, and I oh. reached out to touch it or oh. grab it or whatever. I don't know. I, you know, it was a reaction, and and it disappeared. Hmm. And uh, several you times that disappeared. You, yeah. you mean like just winked out of existence or di yeah. disappeared off into the grass? No, it winked out of existence. Oh. <laughs> and then uh, a little time after that, there were several other creatures that were uh, bigger than this one, more adult-sized. And uh, I was wondering, you know, you said that they that, uh, they are uh, observing us, perhaps, and uh, maybe that they are looking for uh, not not uh, a, a spokesperson for Earth, but uh, for them, you know, that they're observing somebody. Uh, earlier in the evening uh, of this morning, uh, someone mentioned that uh, maybe there were people, they were looking for people to go along with them. That's entirely possible. I, uh, I've got a fascinating story uh, that I recount in Alien Agenda about a man who was uh, abducted, I guess, and uh, but kind of got into what was going on and asked to drive the the craft. And uh, later was they tried to recruit him to be a UFO pilot, and uh, he was going to go along with it uh, until he found out. He he said, "Well, I have to go get my family," and they said, "Oh no." No families, you know. You can't bring your family. So he said, "Well, then I'll have to turn it down." And this was not. This was a. Uh, <laughs> this is a, a credible military intelligence officer. Wow. Uh, let, let me ask you about something that we have not yet touched on. This call, though, uh, makes me want to ask you about it. There is maybe this creature called the chupacabra. This That's what I was thinking when this fellow started recounting. Yeah, there you go. Have you looked into that at all? Have you looked into the uh, the chupacabra? Yes, that's covered mainly in agenda also. Oh, I'll be darned. Boy, uh, you didn't miss much. But and and here's the thing: it seems to be it seems to be moving uh, closer to us because it started the uh, chupacabra uh, started off in uh, Puerto Rico, and then were reported in Central America, and then in Mexico, and then just since first of this year, I've got I had some news. Uh, clippings from uh, from the Dallas Morning News. There was reports from South Texas of the Chupacabra. Really? Yes. So uh, that's still ongoing. And we're not sure what all that involves. Well, 
the chupacabra would appear to be, uh, based on the reports, a kind of a creature that is uh, here sometimes and maybe somewhere else, maybe moving through some sort of a portal or dimension or right. something to get here, something along those lines. Right. Well, you know, I guess what it comes down to is that I think there's a whole lot going on that we, meaning, meaning humans, I mean, ever all of us, uh, either are, are not aware of or just barely aware of or, or it has nothing to do with us, but it's going on in our space-time continuum. You know, there's just a lot going on. It's uh, like Shakespeare said, a lot uh, more things under heaven and sun than are dreamt of in our philosophies. That's for sure. First time caller line, you're on the air with Jim Mars. Good morning. I can't believe I made it. You made it. Where are you? I'm in Mesa, Arizona. Okay. My name is Phil. Phil, all right. You're, you're somebody who might have seen that stuff above Phoenix. Uh, as a matter of fact, I did. There you all go. Right. Um, but I would like to actually talk about an incident I saw about three years ago in Las Vegas. Um, and I sent you some email. You might have received it. Um, it's about 10 o'clock in the morning. And uh, I was traveling, if anyone's familiar with Las Vegas, I was traveling down uh, Decatur Boulevard oh, yes. towards Spring Mountain. And I, my friend had an has an RX-7, and I was looking through his sunroof, and I uh, glanced out his sunroof, and I just stared at this object. I just, it just, I didn't really think too much of it, and after about, I'd say about five seconds of staring at it, I freaked out, and I said, Dave, pull over the car. There's a UFO, and uh, so he didn't believe me, and I, I kept stressing to pull over the car. I kept stressing. Anyway, we ended up pulling over the car, and this object was just phenomenal. Um, I, if I had to estimate the size of it, it was, God, it was, uh, boy, I, I would say it the size of about two football fields. Wow. Um, the the design of it was was uh was like an airplane but it wasn't air, it wasn't an airplane it looked something like it was like it was a, some type of new air force plane but it just hovered it 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 sat in one place and hovered over the city it was just phenomenal i know i i know of that sighting caller thank you and uh he is correct uh i've heard many reports of that sighting of course you've got to bear in mind that in las vegas or here where i am in Pahrump, we're in areas where secret technology is being tested and so it's a lot fuzzier the distinction between what, what might be alien and what might be right our stuff, or right. alien reconstructed uh, back-engineered craft. Right. Now, let me ask you something along those lines. Here, here's something that puzzles me, because uh, I had somebody, we were talking about the Phoenix thing uh, uh, just a few days ago, and somebody brought up the idea, well, again, maybe that's just secret government testing. But my question to you is, why would they test something over a population center like that? Why wouldn't they go off somewhere out in the mountains or over some place where there's hardly anybody to do their secret testing? I know. I've been asking that exact question. Doesn't make any sense, does it? No. Nope. Uh, if you're trying to keep something secret, you don't put it over a, an area of about 2 million-plus people. Right. And then try to tell them it's flares. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, that story kind of came and went quickly. Uh, they gave up on that one quickly. It's right up there with uh, Weather Balloon. Um, I'm told to ask you about Ezekiel, who not only saw the wheel, but was taken up for a ride. Right. That is for those who take every word of the Bible literally. Right, except you know what I found what's so uh, funny uh, and ironic about that is that Ezekiel, number one, uh, and this is all covered in Alien Agenda again, uh, was a good reporter. He didn't say, I was laying by the river one day and I had this vision, came, you know, and I just saw this stuff. He's, he, he's particular. He said, I was by the river Shebar. It was the year of such and such after King so-and-so did such and such. I mean, he dates his, his thing. He, he's got it down and he says, I looked up to the north and I saw a vision of God. Okay. Now, that's in the original King James. Now, in the modern and some of the more modern translations, and I think this is a good illustration of how you, just the slight change of a, of a word or phrase can alter the meaning. In some of the modern translations, it says he was by the river and he looked up and, and, he was, and uh, God came to him in a vision. Mm-hmm. Well, see, that's a semantical difference there, but you can see the difference. Now, in the original King James, when he's talking about, uh, I saw a vision of God, then he goes on to say, to describe it, uh, he goes on to say that the vision of God landed, the vision of God took me up, the vision of God took me to a city, and while they're going through the city and he was being given a tour and very carefully describing the city that was up in some mountains, I believe, they got to one point, and he said, what's in that building? And they said, oh, you can't go in there. The vision of God's in there. So it's, to me, it's very obvious that Ezekiel is trying to do the best of his ability to describe something that he, can, that he has no concept of and can only describe as a vision of God. Now, what's ironic is that the people who would argue against a literal translation are the very fundamentalist types who argue about the inerrancy of the Bible. But I've got one book where uh, a, a very conservative uh, fundamentalist claims, oh, well, Ezekiel was just talking in allegories. You know, In other words, he just made that up. <laughs> so uh, here, here's a point. I, I find that interesting, allegories, when uh, otherwise they will defend every other word as literal. Exactly. Isn't that ironic? Um, yeah, I'll settle for that word. Uh, one other question. Um, could you expand on a remark made on page 321 of your book? Uh, that's in the remote viewing area. Some viewers said it certainly appears as if this planet, uh, remote viewers, as if this planet is being kept under quarantine. Interesting word. Right. For some reason. Right. <clears throat> well, there's plenty to suggest that. I began noticing this in the late 70s, even before I, I left the newspaper where, that I worked for for a good number of years. You would see the, you would, you, we get the news, again, this has to do with control of the media. You have uh, the stories about, like, at the first this year, I think uh, Prime Star put up four or five or maybe more communication satellites, and, you know, right. they just fired them up there, and they're in orbit, and That's boy, right. now they got 120 channels, you know, or 200 channels. With, you bet. With nothing worth watching on, you know, but there they are. Yep. And uh, and you hear about this, and there's no problem. But for the longest time, you'd see these little bitty stories that would say uh, there's going to be a launch, but it has to do with military, and there's a, uh, you know, oh, yes. uh, it's secret. And then you'd see a two- or three-graph little story back at the back of the page says uh, the uh, Pentagon announced that they lost touch 
with their satellite, you know. Yes. And they would put up these satellites, and then and then they were they would just be gone. They'd lose them. Speaking now, of losing, we've got a couple on the way to Mars right now, Jim. That's right. And, uh, uh, do you do you expect that they'll get there and do their job, or do you think they'll be lost in space? Well, it's interesting because uh, I covered in some detail the loss of the two major Mars probes from uh, from the from Russia, the Phobos two, and uh, ours, the Mars Observer. And according to the remote viewers, the same thing happened to both of them. Which was, as they approached Mars and were about to go into orbit, something rose off the. Uh, Martian surface and flew out to meet it, scanned it with an electromagnetic beam, uh, which disrupted the onboard computers, uh, and then uh, caused it to basically lose contact and, and crash uh, into the atmosphere of Mars. But now let me hasten to add that the viewers who took a look at this, none of them seemed to think that this was any particular type of hostile act. Well, it was more like the tugboats coming out to meet the Queen Mary, but then realizing that that it wasn't the Queen Mary, it wasn't anything that they had anything to do with. So they, after scanning it, they just turned around and went back, but it was enough to cripple this thing. Well, it's going to be interesting to see if the ones we've got on the way now make it. That's right, and I would advise everybody to keep their eye on that very closely. And if, if they make it and start sending back images, then that's one form of input. And uh, if they suddenly lose contact with these, uh, then we've got another form of income. Well, so, you know, there was a Russian probe similar to the ones that we sent. Uh, and in the case of the Russians, though, they got this really interesting image just before they lost contact uh, with their craft, with their that, probe. That was the Phobos too, I believe. And uh, there is a, a photograph. I don't happen to have it. And by the way, if anybody else out there has it, please send it to me by email or whatever. What's that? That photograph. I want to see that it's, object. It's, look an alien agenda in the photograph section. Oh, you've got a photograph? Yep. Uh, here's a picture of Marina Popovich holding oh. up the last known photograph, or one of the last give photographs. Me, give me a page number. Uh, it, well, it's in the photo section. Doesn't have a, it's, the, it's the next to the last page in the photo section. Okay. Well, I found the photograph of that object that the fellow was holding up. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah. Um, let's see. That's a Russian woman, Colonel Marina Popovich. <laughs> Okay, uh, let's see, where is she? Um, oh, you've got some really good crop circle photos in here, too, don't you? Mm-hmm. I'll be darned. Um, I'm still looking. Oh, here it is. Yeah. Here it is. Uh, I'm going to see if I can get that. Uh, um, let me try and get that up there for the Internet viewers to see. It may be kind of hard to see, but this is uh, a photograph of the object that, was there apparently just before uh, they lost touch with the spacecraft. And, God, that's interesting. I wonder what that was. Something obviously is coming up uh, to meet spacecraft that are trying to probe Mars. Right. Okay, there we got it. Um, just absolutely incredible. I, how did you happen to get that? The... That photograph? Yes, sir. Uh, it was part of a news article that appeared in the, I think the credits right here, San Francisco Chronicle, back in 91, I think it was. Okay, I'm going to have to see what I can do about getting hold of that myself. Um, so many calls, a little time. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. What, whoops, would have been west of the Rockies. You're on the air with Jim Mars. Hi. Good morning, Art Bell. Hi, where are you? Uh, I'm here in Yakima. Yakima, Washington. All right. Yes, sir. 
Listen, I'd like to first mention one thing. I ordered the Kaido Slam. I've been on it five days, and I've lost three pounds. Wonderful product. Oh, Kaido Slam, yes. Yes. The second thing is I wondered if you would ask your guest, uh, Mr. Mars, if he has any insight on the, uh, about the major button thing, about that about that um, military pilot who left his his squad and, and then disappeared and then... Then all of a sudden they're picking up little bitty pieces. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think that has anything to do with time travel or the interdimensional thing? Jim, hold your answer, ma'am. Thank you. Uh, we will come back to that that answer uh, right after the break. This is Premier Networks. That was Art Bell hosting Coast to Coast AM on this Somewhere in Time. Jim Mars is my guest. His book is Alien Agenda, and it covers just about every aspect you can imagine of the whole alien question. We'll get back to him in just one moment. Looking for the truth? You'll find it on Coast to Coast AM. Nobody wants truth, obviously. But I don't know who to believe anymore because, you know, if something happens, you would think, oh, my gosh, this is real terrorism. But then on the other hand, you say this is just their way of saying we need to implement more of these controls. Not everything is a conspiracy. The problem is you have to look at everything as if it's a conspiracy because nowadays you just don't know. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time, tonight featuring Coast to Coast AM from June 11th, 1997. Back now uh, to Jim Mars, and I just did an unforgivable, uh, unforgivable thing, I think. Uh, I forgot what the last question was. <laughs> Do you remember what you were just asked? Oh, boy. 
I should have written it down. I usually am pretty good about that, but uh, sometimes uh, when I go into a break, a person asks you a very good question, and it totally went out of my mind. Short-term memory loss, Jim. That's right. It happens to all of us. Um, first time caller line, you're on the air with Jim Mars. Hello. Hello, Art and Jim. Hi. Howdy. First time caller. Where are you? Uh, Lander Lakes, Florida. All right. Uh, my name is Doug. Yes, Doug. I have uh, experienced uh, uh, encounter. Uh, I have also experienced uh, recently, uh, May 26, 1997, uh, at West Palm. I have seen the lights in the sky. You know, West Palm had a big uh, big light show uh, uh, going on. As a matter of fact, uh, in conjunction with that, the West Palm Beach Sheriff's Office, uh, their whole, it, it, the whole thing shut down because the, uh, within, out, within an hour or two of that, their Halyon system uh, kicked on, and they had to evacuate the whole place. And Halyon systems don't kick on that easily. No. So, um, yeah, that's from what Can your uh, guest uh, justify that, uh, explain that, or... Uh... Probably not, but we can ask. Uh, had you heard about the West Palm stuff, Jim? Uh, no. Uh, there again, see, that sounds like one heck of a story, and yet uh, it didn't make it to Texas. It's the same thing I saw, saw earlier this year. There was uh, some good videotape made here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and it was actually aired on one of the news broadcasts. <laughs> Excuse me. Oh, and then at the same time, while that was happening, I had I flew to Atlanta and found out that they were having the same type thing happening in Atlanta. And the local news coverage was talking about it. But, see, that information never made it from Atlanta to Texas or Texas to Atlanta or in none of those made them anywhere else. That's the problem. That, you know, we've got this wonderful free press in America, uh, supposedly. Yeah, it belongs to the guy that owns the press. Yeah, but 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 still and all, um, I'm set loose. I mean, nobody's come after me yet. That's true. Um, and I I wrote this book and it got published. So far, and and yet the mass media, as led by the networks and I'll say say it, the Associated Press. Right. Uh, when the Associated Press writes an article, whatever angle they take on it is what is the angle that, uh, you, you know, mo I'm going to be honest, most newsrooms, except the bigger, more responsible ones, rip and read. Absolutely. And they take what the Associated Press or UPI prints, and they read it, and, and that becomes it, the story. That's right. And Art, it used to be bells. Uh, back in the old days, we had bells, and if they rang four bells, ding, 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 right. that's telling them this is a real story run this on the front page you know if it came through in the middle of the night with no bells then it can't be much of a story that's it and that's how you can control the play and the distribution of the information i remember even five bells and i remember once ten yeah uh east of the rockies you're on the air with jim mars hi hi hello where are you uh, i'm in kansas city okay uh, i had a couple of things actually the first thing had to do with uh the government cover-up of information, which I know we all believe is going on. I know I do. Um, I was just wondering if you thought there was anything that we could really do about it, the American public, as far as taking action against trying to find out this information. I, 
I don't think that as an individual <clears throat> you're going to be able to push the federal government around very much, but I'll tell you where I think you could make a big difference because, uh, and it fits, fits in line with what Art and I were just talking about, about the media. The media, for all its problems, still it, it likes to at least think of itself as being very responsive to the mm -hmm. public. Mm -hmm. And if you would simply make a phone call, write a letter, send some email, send facts, whatever, get your friends to do likewise, and simply hold the media's feet to the fire and make them do what they say they do, which is go out and cover the news of what's going on. Yeah, exactly. And I was thinking, I don't know, it sounds crazy probably, but if you could somehow get some nationwide publicity of something and get like a million-man march thing from a couple of years ago and have 100,000 people show up at Area 51 and walk across their restricted area line, march up to the gate, you know, what would they be able to do? They would have to do something. Oh, they would. They would arrest us. Yeah. They couldn't arrest half the country, you know. Yeah. Oh, uh, yes, Art, wasn't there some kind of thing like that uh, tried, that they tried up in Washington about, uh, about UFOs and about... Uh, some kind of march, some kind of picket around the White House or something. But uh, I'm vague on it because, again, there was a news blackout. They didn't talk about it. But didn't they try that a few years back? Yeah, and uh, every year, actually, there are people who march outside the White House on this very issue, and they get little or no coverage. That's right. And as a result, they, you know, see, that's, that's the key to it. Uh, the local coverage, there's something happens in Nevada, something happens in Texas, and it's covered there. They're not worried about that. The thing they're concerned about and where the control gets very tight is the mass media, where you reach the entire country. Yeah, they okay? would hear about it. Yeah. And the other thing, real real quickly, I was listening to you saying how uh, the probes going to Mars uh, would seem to lose contact with them. I was just wondering, how could you explain that Viking was able to land on Mars? Well, uh, it landed in a very uh, out-of-the-way place, and uh, and as you as you well know, the the information came back seemed to indicate there wasn't much there. Right. So why disable that? <laughs> you know, that's that's pretty much what they want everybody to know. That's true. And that would be like sending if if we lived on Mars and we sent a probe to Earth and we landed one one lander in the middle of Antarctica. Is that going to give us an accurate picture of the Earth? I don't think so. That's yeah, true. I asked um, the two fellows I had from NASA here, if we were to orbit in a craft around Earth capable of resolving uh, the same type of imagery that we resolved when we took the picture of the face on Mars, mm -hmm. and we pointed the camera, uh, luckily, at Giza, and we saw the pyramids, would we understand what we were looking at? And there was a long silence, and they said absolutely not. And I think that may be true. If I'm remembering correctly, I think the only thing that can be seen from space on the Earth that would give any indication of intelligent life is, believe it or not, the Great Wall of China. Um... Correct, but uh, what would stop us from interpreting that as we did the canals on Mars? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then there would be the debunkers who said it's just a natural rock formation that just yeah, happened to get in that. That's right, enough rock formations like the 100 monkeys. <laughs> uh, west of the Rockies, you're on the air with Jim Mars. Hi. Hi, uh, this is Garth and Kirkland. Yes, sir. Yeah, um, I had an idea for luring down a UFO. I wanted to ask Mr. Mars if 
if that's really such a good idea? Um, well, I'll tell you, Jim. Um, I, I'll tell you what I did once, and it was about two weeks before Phoenix. I said to my audience, a considerable number of people out there, millions, if, as everybody suggests, communication with these beings is telepathic, mm -hmm. then I wonder what would happen if we gathered a bunch of us together and telepathically tried to call down uh, craft. Just tried to call them down. Said, uh, make yourselves uh, visible. So we did that. Two weeks later, we had Phoenix. <laughs> uh, see, that's, that comes back to the old line that says, be careful what you wish for because you might just get it. I know. That's kind of that's kind of my thought. I've had some thoughts about that, too. Like I said, I'm out here in the country. And there's a big valley uninhabited right behind my place. It would be a beautiful, with a big grass uh, grass field there, you know. Good landing spot. Oh, yeah, it'd be perfect landing spot. I've often wondered, uh, you know, what, what would I do if something really did come down there and land? And, you know, I, I think it's kind of like combat. I think it's one of those situations where you can think, whoa, I'd do this or I'd do that, you know, but I, I don't think anybody really knows what they do until they experience it. You're exactly right. And, I mean, here I talk about this kind of stuff. I went through the first... Uh, Oh, actually, 40-some-odd uh, years of my life and never saw a thing untoward. Now I've seen two things, and in both cases, after the first one, I said, by God, next time I'm going to be ready. <laughs> next you time know. I'm going to wave and say hi. Yeah. And, well, or next time I'm going to have a camera, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. I was all cocky. And the, it's like when it happens, you freeze, yep. you go into a different kind of state, you... you, uh, you Belief and reality are sort of suspended. It lasts two or three minutes. It's over. You chew it over mentally then for months afterwards or years. But you're in a weird kind of condition when it's occurring, Jim. Uh, that's exactly correct. And I'm sure that's true. And I, you so, know, I can run through all kinds of scenarios in my mind. Oh, I'll do this and I'll do that. And I think that'd be neat. And I'd like to go with them. Mm. But, you know, I don't know. When it really starts happening, I think that uh, may be something else. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Jim Mars. Good morning. Good morning, Art. Hi. Uh, you're going to have to speak up for us, sir. <clears throat> okay. Can you hear me better? I can. Where are you? Okay. This is Don in Tennessee. Yes, sir. Um, like to ask Jim, uh, we're all in agreement that there is next to no uh, media coverage on a nationwide basis of, of this subject. What, Jim, what is your take on uh, what appears to be in the last couple of years uh, an increasing output of product from Hollywood dealing yeah. with this subject? Very good. Good question. Mm -hmm. I think I think that uh, I think that's part of the conditioning process, the quickening that uh, Art has talked about. Um, I will say this though. Let, let me throw this in real quick. I've just gotten back from a two-week whirlwind media tour, and I was hit several different cities and did some signings, did a lot of media, well, including while I was in New York, I was in the studios of CBS and CNN, and. Uh, let me tell you, it's kind of interesting. There's kind of a different uh, attitude taking place in the mass media. Now, it's still not breaking that logjam of the nationwide mass media, but individually there are people uh, within the media who are beginning to take this whole subject a whole lot more seriously. Yeah, I won't name names, but there are people at CNN right now uh, that are treating it differently. Yes, and I think this will continue and increase. Uh, and uh, that's going to be kind of interesting, uh, you know, when, when more and more of those guys start.
start getting on board, and then what's going to happen? Uh, I, I don't really know, um, but but there is a, a difference that's taking place. Uh, well, we've, I, we've been treated um, to a, a sort of a recent rash of news. I mean, a rock from Mars, microbial life. Right. How interesting. Right. Uh, did you see the thing about the guy who... Uh, Oh, I had it right here. I Water on the moon. Uh, the the guy who back in the late 80s theorized that meteor uh, that uh, comets coming in from space disintegrated in the uh, atmosphere, and of course comets are mostly made up of ice. I hope to be interviewing him. Yes. Great. Okay. And uh, and now it's been proven that that's true. So see, I, the, all the life on Earth may have had an extraterrestrial origin to begin with. So we may be ET. Yeah, that's another thing. See, we that's kind of how I end up alien agenda. I paraphrase the, the great uh, possum philosopher, Pogo, who said, you know, we we have found the alien agenda, and it's all about us. Yep, there you are. All right, wild card line, you are on the air with Jim Mars. Hi, hi this is Jeff from Phoenix. Yes. Oh, yes. Phoenix, yes, good. Um, hi, Jim. Hi, Art. Hi. Um, quick question, uh, or actually a couple of them, but I want to make a quick statement. Um I wanted to mention the uh, NASA guest that you had on. Uh, didn't you notice or did you notice that when they spoke that one person was in charge and if one other person wants to speak or um, or did you notice that there were signals uh, between the two? Oh, yes. Like a cough or what have you. Um, but anyway, I just wanted to um, mention that. And one question I, I wanted you to ask them, um, but you didn't, I don't think that I heard, was uh, how the space shuttles acquired the names um, that they did, such as Columbia, um, Discovery, and so on and so forth. Some, but, some of it came from Star Trek. And that's how they acquired the names. Enterprise? Enterprise, right. Mm-hmm. Um, but, Jim, I had a question for you, okay. um, if I may. Um What's your take on hypnotic regression? Uh, do you think it works? And uh, I also want to ask you about uh, implants. No, oh, wait a minute. I'm, I'm fading fast here. Yeah, one question here. When you say hypnotic regression, are you talking about uh, using hypnosis to bring back uh, abduction experiences, or are you talking about regression where you regress them back to another lifetime? Right, hypnosis to bring back abduction experiences. Yeah. Uh, I cover that pretty extensively in my book, Alien Agenda, uh, and I think there is an argument. And what seems to be the consensus of opinion uh, both, uh, of, of people on both pro and con is that hypnosis um, is a, is a, it can be a very good tool, okay, but it is not foolproof, and uh, it has to be used under very stringent conditions, and I, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in that. But let me quickly point out, though, that there are plenty of abductees who tell very consistent stories uh, and, and that are, are consistent with the people who undergo the hypnosis, who, who tell the same stories without the aid of hypnosis. Do you, um, so, so I don't think so. That the people who are trying to say that all the abductions can be explained away as bad hypno, hypnosis sessions, where the hypnotist is, is you know leading the witness, that's simply not true. 
Now, are you, are you telling me this from your uh, opinion or experience with people that you've interviewed? No, I'm I'm saying that that in my study, and, and I did an extensive study of the literature, and there are those who who allege that all the experiences can be explained away as just bad hypnosis. But I'm telling you, there's a lot of a lot of them that uh, have had. Uh, 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 conscious recall without the hypnosis. So obviously there's something going on other than just uh, 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 ill-used hypnosis. Which brings me to suspicion of how many are, why so many people can have the same experience um, worldwide. I, I just don't understand it. Well, that is, and, and as far as I'm concerned, it's either one of two things. Either either this is a heretofore undiagnosed undiagnosed uh, mass psychosis, in which case that's a hell of a story. Uh, or they're all talking about some reality. Hmm. Uh, one more question, if I may. Um, as far as implants goes, um, can you do you know or have you heard of anybody being or being able to view an implant? Um, oh, yes, yes, I I, uh, I document some some uh, some uh, medical procedures that have uh, actually extricated uh, implants from people. Uh, uh, we discussed that a little bit earlier. Uh, yeah, caller, if you've got access to the web on my website, you will find uh, electron microscope photographs of an implant uh, removed at the behest of John Mack uh, at Harvard. I did see that. I, the, the question I had, what I was curious about, was: Do you think you can see them in this in, the, in your ear? You mean like just look in somebody's ear and see? Yeah, with the with the uh, only if you get out enough earwax. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I would think it's pretty difficult <laughs> because it's my understanding from my study that most of these uh, they're number one they're little bitty tiny things to begin with, and number two most of them are embedded like just under the skin. Correct. So I don't think that the, just with the naked eye and a cursory look, I don't think you would see them. All right, Jim, you've been a real trooper. Uh, so give out the 800 number again to get hold of your book, Alien Agenda. Right. Everybody rush out. Because, like I said, this is the book you want to give. If you're a believer, this is the book you want to give to your non-believing friends. All right. The thing we to cover to cover and look you in the eye and say, oh, there's nothing happening, then they're a better man than me. It has been a pleasure having this you on the been, This has really been a, a good time. I, I, I know that uh, I've enjoyed it. I think you've enjoyed it. I hope your audience is enjoying it. Well, that's what it's all about, Jim. Thank you. Thank you. Take care, my friend. See you later. That's Jim Mars in Texas, where it's probably time to uh, go to bed, and I suspect that's what he's going to be doing. Well, it has been yet another good night. I want to thank everybody out there, and we will be back again tomorrow night, I think, with open lines. We may do an open line session tomorrow night, and who knows what may happen. From the high desert... To all of you out there, good night.